This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is going on, everyone? Hope you had a real happy Thanksgiving and a great long weekend. Welcome back for another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Opening night in the National Hockey League, I guess, here in North America. And the Jets season begins on Friday. We'll be all over the Jets roster moves, players in, players out over the course of the last three days. And Mike McIntyre will join us from Banff, where the Jets are just been on the ice working on uh, preparations for the New York Rangers in game one of number 82 a little later on. Andrew Patterson with you, along with Michael Remus. A big welcome to uh, everyone with us live on YouTube. For those of you watching and maybe a little later on or catching out the show, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us every day, Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock p.m. here on WST Live on YouTube. And, of course, wherever you get your favorite audio podcast, pop in Winnipeg Sports Talk, hit that subscribe button, and you'll get our freshest, latest show in and around 3.30 in the afternoon, just in time for your drive home. My God, as I mentioned, lots of Jets talk to get to today. Bombers clinching the West Division and the West Final on November 13th. Start making your plans for that, Bomber fans. Uh, A crazy weekend in the National Football League. And breaking news earlier this morning that Hockey Canada is... um, Uh, This has been what everyone has been talking about, what everyone has been expecting, what uh, certainly many of our politicians have been demanding. A full changeover amongst the Hockey Canada executive CEO, Scott Smith, has stepped down today along with the entire board. Um, Jeff Hamilton's going to jump on with us and we'll talk that. Bombers as well as get Jeff's thoughts on uh, everything that happened over the weekend looking ahead to the season for the Winnipeg Jets. And with things starting, I know there's still a few people that have hockey pools Tonight, we got our guy Andy McNeil, the digital gambler, jumping on for a little bit of a season preview. We'll talk about some of the things that he's got cracking in his guide, and we'll get his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets' upcoming season and uh, see if there's value on the Jets to make the playoffs when it comes to a little bit of a wager. Um, Big shout-out and thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at CoolBet, Princess Auto, and Not AutoCorp, along with Consolidated Supply, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace and Wallace, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Canadian Club Whiskey, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course our favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. Let's get Remo in here and uh, get this thing going. Shout out to everyone that's with us in chat. Remo, what's up? How are you? And yeah. how was your long weekend? Do you want me here? Or <laughs> do you want me in here, everyone? <laughs> Triggering. This... Notice how I didn't mention the Jays yeah, until you got on I'm... today. Yeah. Um, sorry, Jays fans, but uh, I'm here and people on the podcast, I'm wearing a Mariners hat and jersey, and I wasn't sure which one triggering everybody. I got so many, I got so many that I could, that I could wear. So, well, you've been waiting for this for a while. I'll say this. This sort of reminds me of me with the Royals back in like 2015, 2016. I mean, it Mm. had been a long, long time. Um, but I'll tell you what, just because I know we're not going to spend too much time on the Blue Jays. Um, Man, and I got some, you know, friends and close friends that are big, big time Jays fans. And they were uh, apoplectic after that game. I, I don't know if I could find a better word. I mean, st- the c- combination of shock, misery, anger, uh, it was all rolled up into one, blowing an 8-1 lead in a game that seemed like it was all but over. 
People were making plans for the deciding game three on Sunday, and then uh, it did not happen. Kevin Galsman gets yanked a little early for my liking. Uh, the downward spiral started there. And then uh, 10-9, extra innings. Jays, two and out when it comes to the playoffs after an uh, exciting season, an exciting young team that had so much hope going into uh, Thursday. Yeah, I know we got a lot of Jet stuff, so we do have to touch it. It was very crushing for Jays fans. 8-1, I was making plans for Sunday to watch game three. I thought it was done. I, however, I did have to go out and was watching on my phone um, and was thought, okay, you know, you get a couple on base, you can come back, and they just kept chipping away and had the big miscue with Bichette and, um, sorry, Bichette and Springer. And that was the double. Um, so pretty awesome. Uh, so I'll be tuning in. I got my tablet going with Phillies. Uh, Braves right now, all day baseball. Yeah. So, um, what Seattle's up against the uh, Astros now? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the Yankees, Yankees, Guardians. Yes. Yankees and Cleveland. That's right. Going at it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on baseball uh, as we the playoffs continue, but uh, probably a little bit less hype here north of the border now that the Blue Jays are done. Um, but let's get to the Jets, Remo. Uh, there's a lot that's happened um, since we were last on on Friday heading into the weekend. Um, first of all, the Jets won their final preseason game in Calgary, um, a game very opportunistic offense. And WST bump still looking pretty good. PLD, two goals. Although he did get nicked up, but was back, thankfully, in a full contact jersey today at practice. Um, so the Jets finish off the, uh, the, the, the uh, preseason with a couple wins against Calgary. That was the full Calgary Flames roster. So I think Rick Bone is pretty pleased with the way that his team's responding to the new marching orders of the new boss. Uh, but the big news on Friday, Remo, or I guess heading into the weekend, when we mentioned this, that Johnny Kovacevic was placed on waivers. And I'll be the first one to admit... I mean, we always sometimes overvalue our own players, the guys that, you know, you see all the time as opposed to players in other markets. And, you know, at this time of year, this is the time to get guys through on waivers. And I know I'll give Ken a lot of credit. He said that there was, you know, some real legitimate concern that Johnny Kovacevic might be picked up by another team, a big, young, right-shot defenseman that, you know, played himself quite well, played quite well in the American Hockey League and in limited NHL duty. Um, and... He was exactly right. Um, Johnny Kovacevic went to Montreal, who would have been right near the bottom of the waiver order. And we've heard reports that at least one, if not more teams, had also played a place to claim in on Johnny. So, I mean, that was unfortunate. He's a guy that, uh, I mean, just as a person, you had to really, really like. Um, his story was amazing. He was such a great member of the Manitoba Moose and a real fun guy to talk to on the program. And... You know, we made it to the National Hockey League last year, got a little taste of it. And, you know, as we said, big defenseman, uh, right shot that can do what Johnny Kovacevic does, obviously was in demand. And um, it is too bad that the Winnipeg Jets lost him essentially for nothing. Now, you know, as with Eric Comrie and some of the other players, when they do go on waivers, it's assumed that they'll stay with the big club. If they do get back on waivers and clear through, they can be returned. But... For the time being, it looks like there's enough demand and uh, there was enough interest in Johnny Kovacevic that a number of teams were in on him, and that might be it for him in Winnipeg. And I'll say this, this is a little bit too bad because while I get why they had to do it with the logjam on the blue line, um, there is some good potential in John Kovacevic and um, a little disappointing to see him leave for uh, for nothing through the waiver wire. Yeah, Daily Faceoff has him right now as Montreal's uh, third pairing D, and I saw the 
wait i guess we're on waiver wire watch every day at 1 p.m and got the notification that he was picked up and you know definitely surprised i don't think it's like the worst thing i don't think it's sky is falling here for for the jets losing a guy who's pretty low on your depth chart and i think had limited opportunity to make an impact but i think when you lose a player for nothing who you drafted in the second round um i think maybe you have to take a look and see you know what did we do wrong what was our decision making process i think it's certainly disappointing but effectively they've signed uh kyle capabianco in the offseason as a free agent and they chose him over johnny kovacevic now we had speculated that kovacevic because he had to go through waivers could be like what the seventh d all season but they tried to sneak him through weren't able to and you lose them for nothing now they did end up uh, picking up a guy for nothing we can get to that but uh I don't know. It seems like a bit of a bit of a misstep that they lost him for nothing, but I don't think it's it's the end of the world. Huss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen for for this season and the immediate future. Uh, it was hard to imagine, considering the guys ahead of him on the depth chart, that Johnny Kovacevic, barring a number of injuries, would have been getting into the lineup. Um, that being said, I still think he's got a bright future. As you mentioned, second, he was a third round pick, but seventy fourth overall in the twenty seventeen draft and really had blossomed into a high-quality AHL defenseman, and I thought acquitted himself quite well in the four games that he played last year. Uh, but this is the time of year where, I mean, you can only have 23 guys on the roster. There's a limited amount of players that are waivers exempt, and you do run the risk. Um, all teams usually at, at this time of year, especially if you do have some good depth in a position, you know, run the risk of losing a player to a team with uh, a less stocked um player uh, surplus at that position so that is what it, what has happened what is interesting though reem and this is something that i'll be I'll be honest i did not see coming um is kyle capabianco still with the team and it wasn't like he was getting run out he must have really impressed bonus and the coaching staff very early on in camp because it sort of seemed like it was that, well, we called it the triple threat match, uh, the ladder match for the contract, Dylan Sandberg, Logan Stanley, and Vili Hainala. And what's interesting right now is it sort of projects based on, and we'll find out more from Mike, who's the, there in Banff, that Logan Stanley was playing with Nate Schmidt. And I think that certainly tips off that Logan Stanley might have the inside track for that opening day spot in the roster. And I'll be honest, that is not something that I've seen. Now, listen, I would expect that at minimum, over the course of the first half a dozen games, I think we'll get a chance to see both Stanley uh, and Sandberg uh, in that spot. Um, where Capobianco fits, though, I'm not sure. Um, and maybe they were worried that, you know, he would be a guy that would get picked up off waivers as well. Then they prioritized him and what he brings to the team more than Johnny Kovacevic. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But um, was a couple of very interesting moves as far as the guys that were here who got waived. And then, of course, the news yesterday that Vili Hainala was on his way to the Manitoba Moose. I don't think should come as a shock to anyone. Um, and this is maybe a little bit more asset management than anything else. Because while I don't think he played so well that he was, you know, a lock for that spot, I actually did think he did many things to help his cause. And, um, you know, if he's playing on that third pairing in a role that they sort of need a penalty killer, is he the best guy for that? No, maybe not. Certainly don't want him sitting in the press box like it happened a couple seasons ago. So at least to start the season, Philly's going to be playing a lot in the American Hockey League. We'll see him at the Moose home opener on Saturday afternoon. 
But I do think that we'll see a lot of Viljanela this year. And we may need to Remo set our own cool bet line for Viljanela games played for the Winnipeg Jets this season. And I'm not sure what that line is. You can think about it. We can get some thoughts from people in the chat. But um, be very interesting because, listen, I think injuries, like if anything happens to uh, Morrissey or a Pionk, I think he's the logical guy to come in. But I do think that they're going to get him a look. And again, there's still the possibility that at some point, whether it happens this week or in the first month of the season, that you could see some player movement. Although not a lot of it has happened. And uh, here we are having already lost uh, Johnny Kovacevic on waivers and now having Vili with a moose to uh, maintain the 23-man roster. Yeah, a couple uh, things on... Billy Hanela, I saw the notification, and I don't think, I, I mean, I can't say I was surprised. Um, you look at the way the Jets' defense is right now. Um, I've said this for months. I mean, if you look at, you know, I go by the Nintendo ice hockey principle. They got too many skinny guys, too many skinny guys and medium guys. They didn't have enough big guys. Um, Logan Stanley, Dylan Sandberg, they're big guys. Um, you You have a lot of the same type. Uh, Vili Hainala, what? You need him to play on the power play, but is he going to play on the power play over Schmidt, Morrissey, and Pionk? Um, probably not. So I don't think there was really a spot for him. And yeah, and he's also easy to send down. He doesn't require waivers. You kind of don't have to make the decision. I think definitely sucks for him this type of, I you know, in baseball they call it what? Service time manipulation. But I don't think that's, I think the Jets, they, they don't really have a, have a spot for him. You go with a guy who can help you on the penalty kill and be a, a bigger, you know, bigger presence uh, on the blue line. Uh, you know, literally bigger. So, well, here's my thing about Stanley. And you I'm, know... I was talking about er- Samberg, yeah. I was Samberg. talking about, okay, I was talking about Samberg look, specifically. I'm going to say this about Logan Stanley, though, assuming that he is the guy. Um, I've been a defender of Stanley. I Two years ago, I mean, this was the first place where we discussed the possibility and the prediction that Logan Stanley would be protected by the Winnipeg Jets in the expansion draft. Um, I thought he took a step back last season. I didn't think that he did anything significant to really help his cause as the guy that, you know, should be the sixth guy and in the lineup throughout the preseason. And, you know, I was thinking about it more and more after the game on Wednesday. I mean, what is Logan Stanley bringing to this club? When we talk about the size and the, the, you know, I mean, he hasn't been great in his own end. He's been abused at times in front of the net. And if we're talking about an element of toughness, I still think back to that game on Wednesday night when Zadorov's bopping Shifley in the face. Stanley was in the game. I mean, that was a perfect opportunity. And again, I'm not a big guy that wants to see everyone fighting each and every game. When someone takes a shot at your number one center like that, you would like to have some sort of a response. Now, I know more of that happened, and it was more of a team response on Friday night. But I I just have to say, if Logan Stanley is going to be effective for this team, he needs to play like a 6-7 big defenseman. And that hasn't been the case all the time, and I'm not sure we're ever going to get that. So, um, you know, he may be in the roster. He may be on the lineup for the first night, but I still think that this is a crucial time for Logan Stanley to be the guy that this team needs in that position if he's going to be it. And if not, there's other hungry young players that are ready to do the job. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I don't think he really impressed in preseason. As you mentioned, you know, sometimes... Uh, having tough, a tough time getting the puck out of his own zone, coverage in front of the net. It's been a bit of a rough go, and 
a lot of people agree that he was passed on the depth chart at the end of the year by Dylan Sandberg. But you look at the way the Jets have the lines right now, Mike McIntyre tweeting them out, and he'll come on later. He's on the third pair with Nate Schmidt, and um, Rick Bonus talked about being a merit, you know, a merit placed uh, lineup decisions, and you kind of saw that on forward, and we haven't even talked talked about that. But um, I thought Sandberg would, would should get a look. Mike seems to think they're going to rotate in and in and out. I don't know how beneficial that is. Um, I think that's certainly uh, certainly interesting. Us, uh, having him there uh, with Nate Schmidt. I think they were together last year, and it, they had a bit of a rough go at times, giving up a, lo- a lot of shots, and you know it's a couple of miscues in front of the net. So uh, we'll, we'll wait and see how this goes. But yeah, that is that was I think what everyone is watching. I mean, that was the key hmm. position battle. The sixth defenseman, as the, you know, the top five had been taken by veterans, and it appears that Stanley is the uh, grabbing, <laughs> grabbing the belt uh, for the sixth D. Well, at least, at least in the three in the triple threat match, uh, mm-hmm. it is an elimination match, and Villy has been eliminated at this point. So it's Sandberg yeah. and Stanley, <laughs> and we'll find out who is going to get it. Listen, the other wrestling reference that we've had a lot of fun having was the loser leaves town match between Jansen Harkins and Dominic Toninato for that final forward spot, assuming that Sam Gagne was going to be on the roster and in the lineup. And uh, on the weekend, Jansen Harkins waived by the Winnipeg Jets. Now, he did clear waivers. He will be down there with the Manitoba Moose. I know Mark Morrison was speaking that earlier. And, you know, hey, he's just down the hall. uh, But I think there's some other guys that earn the spots ahead of him. And uh, in particular, a guy that we've been talking about all preseason and training camp, Remo, from day one. And that's the big Finn Saku Menelainen, who looks like he'll be playing with the Gus Bus and Sam Gagne on that third line. And I would expect Dominic Toninato is going to be the 13th forward for the first game. But that'll obviously be a little, be a little bit more clear. But um, great news for Menelainen. And a bitter pill to swallow for Jansen Harkins, who, you know, came up after being an afterthought in training camp, the year that he really broke into the uh, the NHL, got a call up in late November, if I recall correctly, and just went on an absolute tear. And um, we haven't seen a lot of that guy over the course of the last couple seasons. And um, someone else went and grabbed the spot. So uh, that was part of the competition we talked about in training camp. Menelainen was a pleasant surprise. We'll see what he can do once we get to the regular season. And uh, with Harkins waived and losing Kovacevic, the Jets went and did a little shopping of their own, Remo, and claimed Axel Janssen Fjallby off of waivers from the Washington Capitals. Now, Fjallby's not a guy I was very familiar with. He played, I believe, 24 games last year for the Washington Capitals. What's interesting is that he did quite a bit of penalty killing for Scott Arneal. And the one, you know, when you look at some of these graphs and charts of uh, of players, what stands out amongst the entire Winnipeg Jets or Washington Capitals team, he was twice as good as puck on puck retrievals, on dump-ins. And uh, if you're playing a fourth-line role in penalty killing, maybe that's something that well, was very attractive to the Winnipeg Jets. Now, he's a non-roster player right now because they're working on a visa for him. There will have to be one more subsequent move when uh, when Axel gets into town and gets into the mix with the Winnipeg Jets. We'll see whether that happens before the opening night of the regular season. I would imagine that it was, because coming out of the long weekend, it was probably difficult to make that happen on Thanksgiving. I would imagine that happens today or tomorrow at the latest. 
but an interesting wrinkle. We've talked a lot about waivers and the guy that the Jets lost. They got a guy that's coming in that I don't think comes in with a huge offensive pedigree, uh, but maybe just maybe a guy that fits the uh, role that they're looking for for one of the players that can play in the bottom six and contribute on the PK. Yeah, back to, I'll start with Jansen Harkins just to weigh in. Um, I'd said last week on the show that I thought they would keep him and send down Menelina just because that was the easy move. Harkins has been there for a while, but I mean, you looked at his results last year. There were stretches where he was not on the score sheet uh, at all. Um, you know, there were a couple of months there where, you know, like one point in 12 games in February, two points in 16 games in March. Uh, he had one and eight in April. Uh, it was, you know, he didn't have a great season last year in terms of production. And uh, they obviously like Menelainen, and sign him as a free agent. And he won the job. And as far as the loser leaves town match, it was Toninato's head fake. Sealed, sealed the deal without the penalty <laughs> box goal. And uh, and that was it for Harkins. He's going out on the Moose team, which looks totally stacked uh, right now. And as you mentioned, their home opener is is Saturday. Um, and this uh, Axel Janssen Yalby, I got to get used to this name. I saw Elliot Friedman tweet out yesterday that when has claimed Janssen Fialbi, and I thought he was talking about the Windsor Spitfires because I have no <laughs> idea who, who is, who is, I never heard, heard of this guy, to be honest, like, I didn't really know much about him. We do know he's got incredible hair, and since losing Perot oh. and Sammy <laughs> Niku, they need to up, you know, upgrade themselves in the hair and the flow department, and man, uh, I saw someone in chat already, right, that he's a man, man rocket, so... As, and it seems like he's got rocket skates on the ice in the way he can forecheck and retrieve pucks. Uh, Rick Bonus says, look, I don't know too much about him. It was Arnie, Scott Arneal, who coached him in Washington, and they're going to use him on the penalty kill. So I'm curious how he fits in. And yeah, he's working out the work visa, and he's a non-roster player, and they'll try to get him in. But I did not see a, a waiver claim. And I do want to say, I, I think I'm, we got to go hard on Elliot this year. I find it extremely offensive, his use oh. of win as the abbreviation everyone knows it's wpg you don't get to choose what the abbreviation is he the does, nhl sets it out no they need to put some journalism standards on this it's it's confusing it, it, it's, i like that i like that journalism standards yeah there needs to be some yeah everyone use the same abbreviation don't get to pick your own okay <laughs> elliot <laughs> It's ridiculous using when he does I, that I entirely the... to trigger trigger people like you, and it's amazing how successful it is every time he makes up one of these Look. new acronyms. Look, you don't call you know call the team by the right name. You don't call them the Winnipeg. We're not calling them the Polar Bears or any something else. You're calling them uh, the Jets here. So use use the right name. No. Yeah, no. Hey, by the way, I know there's some people wondering about my my term, terming Jansen Harkins coming up and going on an absolute tear. I guess I should preface <laughs> that being an absolute tear in a fourth line role for a Paul Maurice team that never played. The bottom line was he was an afterthought, got almost no chance of making the team early, had a great, great start to the season with the Moose going over a point a game for his first 30 games and then came in and played so well they just couldn't keep him out of the lineup and he ended up staying basically for the remainder of that season he played in 29 games he had two goals and five assists but really was an impact player and you know listen while the offense might not have been there at any point in his career I thought he was at his most effective in that first season and I'm not going to say guys maybe get comfortable or get used to being in their spot I think there's a lot of you know very valid 
discussion about the usage of the fourth line and the opportunities that those guys have. But um, there's a lot of other guys that, you know, are looking for an opportunity. And uh, certainly this preseason was what that was all about. And, you know, in the eyes of the coaching staff, other players um, like Saku had a uh, better camp and a better preseason and put themselves in a better situation to make the club. Um, and I think it's somewhat telling that Jansen Harkins passed through waivers and, you know, he'll be there as an available call up for the Winnipeg Jets. So lots of Jets news uh, as we get into the final few days before the season. And the weird thing is Remo, we have to be like, we got to wait another three days. Everyone else, it, I, I think we heard that that's going to be the Rangers' third game of the season. Um, so maybe that'll be a good thing. Anyways, we'll certainly have lots to talk to as the team finishes up in Banff, gets back here to the peg, and prepares for Friday night's home opener against the New York Rangers. All right, Hammer's going to join us. We've got lots to talk about with him. Uh, just before we do that, a big shout-out to our friends at Consolidated Supply. Um, Consolidated Supply, find out more online at cte.ca. The irrigation and artificial turf specialist for Winnipeg and Manitoba. Been working with golf courses for years. Whether you want to get your lawn looking like a golf course next year or maybe utilize some artificial turf or put that dream putting green in the backyard, they've got you covered. All of your golf cart needs as well as the official club guard, club car dealer here in the province. And if you're thinking about really tricking out that backyard and making it your uh, your domain for a long time, thinking about that putting green, put that in there. How about a hot tub? How about a beautiful outdoor kitchen? Start thinking about those projects for next summer now and talk to the gang Consolidated Supply about it. Joe Spicy and the fellas, always there to help you out. 1395 Niagara Road East. And you can also give them a call at 470-3832. And as I mentioned, Consolidated Supply online at cte.ca. Uh, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, look no further than one of the seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores. All family-owned and operated since 1936. A great local company carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products here. With Back to School here, pop by Vita Health for great school-friendly snacks and lunch items, as well as great immunity products like vitamin C and D, and amazing lunch options like Vita Market salad, soup, sandwiches, and more. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. And as I said, we're working, uh, we're cooking up something really cool for you Jet fans with our friends at Wallace & Wallace, who are not only Winnipeg's fencing specialists, but also work with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world. If you're thinking about a new garage door, Wallace & Wallace has you covered. 161 different styles to choose from. There's certainly a style that's right for your home. By the way, a new garage door can add up to 4% of the value of your home. But they also do servicing and repair if you've got an issue that you'd like to get fixed on your current garage door before the end of the year. Find out more, wallacedoors.com. Hit them up at their showroom on Lawson Road or give them a call over at Wallace & Wallace. All right. We've got lots to get to. Hockey Canada, Bombers, Jets. Let's welcome in Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, what's going on? How was the long weekend for you? Us, it was uh, it was excellent. 
you know, happy Thanksgiving to uh, to you and your and the listeners here. I uh, definitely took full advantage of a couple dinners over the weekend. Um, beautiful weather too. Huh. Uh, overall, just uh, just a terrific weekend. And I, I'm the kind of guy that I don't know about you, but fall's my favorite season. Um, we don't really get it here in Winnipeg. Uh, I've spent some time. I lived in Ottawa for a few years, and uh, they get fall. And so Ontario gets fall. It usually goes well into November. So as much as uh, I know it's going to end soon here, I'm taking full advantage of uh, of Mother Nature's blessings over the last oh, couple of weeks. Oh, dude, you're not kidding. I mean, I, I was in the exact same boat. Shout out to my buddy Moe. He uh, took us out on the river on, uh, on Saturday, and we spent about four or five hours just cruising around, having a great time, popped into uh, – uh, docked up at the pony, ripped up, saw the Jays meltdown, then got back for the bomber game. It was uh, uh, it, it was phenomenal. But Sounds listen, like a full day of waters for you there, huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's uh, let's get you know. I may as well start here because it is the big story today. We're going to get to the bombers, and I certainly want your take on the Jets. Um, but Hockey Canada, it's uh, it, it's finally the clock has struck twelve uh, for Scott Smith and the board. Um, What's your reaction to this? We've talked about it quite a bit before. I mean, I'm still surprised at the way that so many dug their heels in. And as bad as the the optics of Andrea Skinner's visit with uh, the folks on Parliament last week, to me, it was the aftermath of that when all the sponsors walked out the door. I mean, at this point, and I mean, you can... I'm not sure how much credit we're giving anyone for the way this entire thing has been handled. This sounds like this has been the response and the action that people wanted within the hockey community. Um, but to me, nobody had any choice once everyone took the money away, right? Yeah, so what's the word? It's not bittersweet. Right, it's sweet. I mean, this is the, uh, this is the first step, I think, I believe, I hope, um, that leads to just, you know, I mean, we often talk about, you know, a need for a change and what's, a, you know, what's been identified as a toxic hockey culture. I think this is the first step towards potentially changing the philosophy of hockey Canada, and, and that philosophy being catering to the top 1% of, of athletes that go on to, you know, play in the Olympics, play in the world juniors, play in, you know, in the NHL. And not the 99% of participants in this country that play play for simply the love of the game. And I've said this on your show before. I've certainly written this. Uh, you know, I've shared this with friends. You know, I think when you look at everything that's happened here, uh, you know, with Hockey Canada, it's 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 kind of identified the fact that a lot of people put so much into the game, and you know, financially, uh, and that goes beyond just paying. You know astronomical prices to play a sport that let's face it here is for the elite in this country. Um, you know, it also, it just proves that you give so much into this that you, you rarely get any of it out. And I'm hoping that this is the change from the top. That was always going to be this, always going to have to be the case as a change from the top. And, and, you know, when you look at, you mentioned Andrea Skinner's comments, you know, last weekend, and it was up until last weekend that this, organization was trying to claim that they're not only did they not only is this and i've heard this over and over again that this is a society issue it's not a hockey issue i mean that's true in a lot of ways there's lots of parts of society there's lots of parts of sport outside of hockey that has this but hockey are the biggest players they have the biggest money and and ultimately have hidden the biggest secrets in in our country so to see that arrogance last week um it was going to take big big moves you know it was going to take big sponsors pulling out of not just events like the world juniors, but, but suspending 
funding or canceling full funding that is the is the bread and butter of this organization, this company, because that's exactly what it is. It's a company. Um, yeah, they're and, Canada's eighth professional team. Absolutely. And so, you know, there took that. It took MP pressure. It took, you know, embarrassing situations in, in Parliament. And, uh, you know, it took public outrage. It took all of that. I mean, you can spread the credit right around. But the fact of the matter is, is this isn't new. This has been something that's been going on for years and years and years. And so, you know, it's great that we're, we finally hit this situation. But this has been this has been a long time coming for for, for, you know, you could argue decades dating back to Graham James and, uh, you know, and, and what well, happened. Let me, with let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because, I mean, we don't have the answers as to who will be the new person. I think some more female involvement, particularly some of the great female players that have represented our country. I mean, the first day that this broke, I said, hey, they should do whatever they can do to get Haley Wickenheiser to get in that spot. I mean, that woman um, is a is a change maker is a doer and is one of our greatest players to ever that this country's ever produced that now again, she's doing some pretty incredible work in other fields and obviously involved in the national hockey league, a doctor. Um, but that's the sort of thing. But uh, the one thing that I'm hearing in the chat right now, and we've heard over and over again, um, is what this means for the 2018 incident that was paid off that basically started this whole thing. Um, Bringing in a new board, bringing in new executives or whatever. Um, will Canadians find out who these players were? Um, does this change at all the uh, the anonymity for these guys, many of them who right now are playing in the National Hockey League? You know, it's hard to really answer that question. I mean, you, you kind of hope so. You hope that, you know, with, with clear leadership, with a change in philosophy, shifting away from protecting players. And I don't want to necessarily say exposing players, but just doing what they should have done years ago and, and investigated and punished, right? I mean, how often do you hear growing up, hockey is a privilege, it's not a right. I mean, along with everything, right? I mean, the, to play at that level is a privilege. It's not a right. And, you know, unless it's treated as, as such, things aren't going to change. So, I mean, they have opened, you know, reopened that third-party investigation. They've talked about doing some preliminary stuff like auditing the governance system and all that thing and all and everything else. Well, I think you, you can now take it a step further because you had the people who were going to be under the microscope that were ultimately making the decisions. And with them gone, that changes everything. And whether it's, whether it's focusing on, you know, what happened in 2018 and, and, you know, and, and I don't think this is necessarily needs to be a witch hunt per se, but I think the truth needs to come out and we're looking at criminal behavior here. This isn't, you know, boys being boys. This isn't, you know, this is, this isn't black or this isn't gray. This is black and white. And the fact of the matter is, is that if the, you know, with, with, with a thorough, more thorough investigation to expose some of the people who were in, you know, involved in this will lead to, you know, what will lead to, I think, fewer incidents in the future when people are held accountable, when when you witness, you know, what happens to somebody when they break the law in such manners and, and they get, you know, they lose everything, essentially, because that would ultimately be the case if you were proven to be involved in this. I don't see many NHL teams being all that forgivable, but I guess we've been proven against that in the past. At the end of the day, you know, you need to kind of clean house. You need to figure this out because it's such a toxic problem that isn't going to be changed overnight. It's going to take, you know, months, days, months, weeks, years 
to fix this thing. And if it will ever get to a point that you want it to get, but I do think it will get to a point where it's vastly improved under a new leadership and focus, uh, you know, compared to what we've seen for decades here at Hockey Canada. Hey, a big thanks to Hunter Bob. Welcome to the WST Supporters Group. Bob, thanks so much for the support of the channel. Really do appreciate that and welcome. Um, you know, just before we move on, and Trini KP's got a, a, a comment in chat here. Right now, the focus is hockey and the players and management involved with these atrocities. The reality of the situation, this is part of a deeper society, uh, societal issue that affects every occupation. I have a little bit of time for some of that, but I will say this, and part of the reason that we can change the board and you can have a new person here, but Jeff, I mean, as long as hockey players in particular at grassroots levels in junior hockey are idolized the way they are put on the pedestal the way they are and frankly treated differently than others um this sort of thing is going to continue and as much as it's easy for everyone to point the finger at scott smith who worked for hockey canada for a long time but really only took the job from tom rennie like a month before all this got going it doesn't change everything just overnight by bringing in a new board and um, you know, to to change the culture of the game and prevents things like this happening, it really is going to take um, a massive effort going right down to grassroots hockey. Um, and it involves parents, it involves teachers, it involves, it involves everyone that's involved with raising our young men, many of whom who are stars in the game that we love. Yeah, absolutely. You ever been to a hockey rink? You know, whether it's eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds, whatever, it's an absolute jungle you know i mean you you hear some of the comments that are said by by mothers and fathers in the stands that's the culture you need to change i mean you mentioned the pedestal it's not hockey canada putting your eight-year-old on a pedestal exactly. and, and you know from that age it's it's the parents and the hockey you know system so you know as much as you know and i'm glad you brought that up because as much as it is you know a great thing that you know provinces have come forward and either you know, you know, whatever supported change or have even pulled registration fees. Let's not let's not get things twisted here for a second. It's just as bad at those places and even lower levels. I mean, you know, whether it's community hockey boards or whatever, you know, it, it really takes on the attitude of we're better than people, right? That that hockey is an elitist sport. It's a sport for the privileged. And so when you you know to again to have those support from provincial organizations and city organizations is is a positive. <laughs> They aren't, uh, they don't escape, I don't, you know, this either. I mean, and, and and as you mentioned, Huss, you're not gonna have, you know, politicians, you're not gonna necessarily have media digging into these levels of hockey. Cause I mean, let's face it. I mean, unless it took ultimately Rick Westhead exposing just an absolute heinous crime for everybody else in mainstream media sports to jump on this. All the, you know, all these bylines over the last year, and I'm grateful for them to be sure. They didn't exist five, 10 years ago. I mean, this is this has been a problem for a very, very long time. And and it's going to take it's going to take parents. It's going to take the communities. Um, and I don't want to get hyperbolic and, you know, and suggest fighting back, but exposing some of the injustices here that constantly exist. I mean, there are cases of racism. There are cases of of abuse, harassment that get covered up by lower level community organizations. It's not just Hockey Canada. In fact, Hockey Canada probably doesn't even find out about a majority of the incidents that occur at these levels. So, you know, those are the things that that need to be, you know, talked about. I mean, you already see it on social media. I'm getting emails, you're getting, you know, notifications, you're getting people talking about their own hockey teams and how, you know, ref, you know, 
not refs, uh, coaches are getting investigated and, and this stuff happens and there's no answers. I mean, ultimately, it's there, it, it, whether it's Hockey Canada or the provincial or, or, or even city you know, governing bodies for hockey, they all take, the, take it from the same playbook. I mean, they, they create these, these harassment policies that are just, frankly, a piece of paper. Uh, you know, they put out programs um, that they expect people to do and follow, but not, you know, the usually very often the, you know, accountability and, and going through with those are not held. And so it's just, it really is becomes a, it becomes a societal issue in the respect of fixing the game because we're not going to change the attitudes of, of the young players. And by the time they get to the WHL or, you know, junior hockey, they've already, as you mentioned, instilled these attitudes of being better than people of inferior, you know, like, of, of the way they treat women, of the way they treat themselves. I mean, look at the hazing rituals that continue to exist. I mean, is it improved? Absolutely, but it's certainly not gone. And so as much as we look at these high-end hockey programs like Hockey Canada and World Junior Hockey Teams and, and whatnot, and, and rightfully so, I mean, this stuff is happening at a, at, a, at a much higher rate in the lower levels. Junior A, Junior B, these things happen all over the place. They just don't have the same microscope as places like Hockey Canada and other spots that are high-end. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press with us on uh, talking about the uh, big news today, the resignation of the board, and Scott Smith, the CEO of Hockey Canada. Before we get to the Jets, let's get to the Blue Bombers. Um, book that ticket for the West Final, folks. November 13th, it is back. The Bombers will be playing whoever survives from the Western Division playoffs, playing for a one-game trip to the Grey Cup. And I'll tell you what, Jeff, um, I thought that this game might be a little bit closer. This was an emphatic beatdown by the best team in the Canadian Football League that had their way from start to finish with the Edmonton Elks. And the legend of Dalton Schoen continues to grow. A hat trick of touchdowns. I mean, just putting an exclamation mark on the brilliant rookie season that he's had. Uh, pretty impressive night for the home team to um, book their ticket to the West Final in such an emphatic fashion. Yeah, you and me both, Haas. I thought that uh, I thought the Elks would put up a bigger fight, all things considered. I mean, they they were fighting for their, you know, albeit faint playoff hopes, but they still had playoff hopes. So, you know, the the fact that uh, that they come out and lay the kind of egg that we saw over the weekend was, yeah, pretty pretty embarrassing for them. And and what's been a you know a very challenging year at four and twelve, including no victories at home. Um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, that was a great game. I mean, it was a great game for a number of reasons, as you mentioned. I mean, how, the last time I think it was, was not, sometime in the 90s. I got to check my story. But um, the last time three quarterbacks each threw a touchdown pass in a game, I mean, that's that in and of itself is is, is pretty impressive. And, and it definitely speaks to the depth that we have at, uh, at the Bombers have at quarterback here. And, I mean, then you look at Dalton Schoen. I mean, geez, like he'd already, ra- like, you know, he'd already wrapped up uh, – wrapped up CFL rookie of the year honors um, by a long shot. Now are we, now are we talking about him as we must be talking about him as a CFL all-star and, you know, dare I suggest the most, most outstanding candidate. And I know that's, that's pretty crazy when you consider the guy beside, you know, the guy throwing in the balls and Zach Caleros is probably the front runner. I know there's a, a few people out there that are, are still leaning towards Nathan Rourke. Um, I don't find myself as one of them, what? but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's going to be closer than you think. Um, but Zach Claro played half the season. I'm with you, but there's people out there that believe he's the most outstanding player in the league. Um, but I, but just to finish that thought about Dalton was I looked at, um, I looked at, uh, Brandon Banks's, uh, 
year where he won the MOP and he had 15, 1,550 receiving yards, which is fewer than 200 uh, that Dalton has so far with two more games remaining. And he has one less touchdown. So if he continues at the clip he, he's at, he's going to have a better season than Brandon Banks that year. Now that was a weird year. There was a lot of injuries at quarterback and Cody Fajardo was a flash in the pan. He was the representative out of the West. So, you know, it wasn't as I think, you know, fought for uh, as it is this year, but um, certainly a great season from him. But, you know, Buck Pierce continues to impress. Uh, it's just, you know, who knows what his future looks like. I think the Bombers are praying. He just loves Winnipeg that much. Um, but, yeah, certainly a great step uh, step in the right direction for a Bombers team that not only clinched the West, but now has a month here to prepare for what will be a, a pretty exciting playoff run and a chance at a three-peat. Well, speaking of this, and they've got some practice in it because it pretty much happened last year, even in a 14-game schedule, having, uh, you know, your destiny iced with multiple games remaining. The Bombers play BC on the road this week. Then they've got a bye. Then they've got a home game against BC. <laughs> And then another bye before the West final. How do you see Mike O'Shea handling things for the club when it comes to who's going to play, how much they're going to play? Because as we've seen, and this goes back to a haunting 2001 season. We remembered all those guys that sat out and then they were just flat in the, in that next game and ended up uh, ended up getting through and uh, you know losing to uh, to Calgary eventually um, when it was uh, all, all uh, in it. I mean, will these guys play both games? Um, will Zach Calaris play a little bit and then bring in Drew Brown? How do you see that shaking out? You know, it's tough to it's tough to make that prediction, Huss, if only because Mike O'Shea is not really a guy that plays with what ifs. You know, what if this guy gets injured? What if this guy? You know, all, all those things that I think a lot of fans certainly certainly think of but um if you look at what what was done last year now there is a a bit of a difference right the bombers had the the bye week in the last week of the regular season and of course the bye week through the through the west final um so they were dealing with kind of two weeks before uh playing a playoff game so it seemed imperative to at least have some of your starters in that second last week of the regular season now this year as you mentioned there's a there's a bye week split between these two games i can see the bombers Look, the Bombers are banged up. Last year was also a 14-game season. This is an 18-game season, so there is more wear and tear at this point in the year. You know, I can see guys certainly who are playing with something. I mean, we've seen Stanley Bryant sit out practices in recent weeks. We've seen Adam Big Hill deal with a nagging injury for the last few weeks. Um, I could see them sitting out. Uh, I could also see guys over the next two weeks as – you know, guys like Greg Ellingson, I'm expecting to return before the regu- before the playoffs start. I mean, this would be an opportunity to ease him into a game um, and other guys. I don't know where Kyrie Wilson sits or Drew Wolitarski. They're probably less likely to be ready for, you know, one of these next two games. But if that is the case, bring guys back. Malik Clements, I think, might be around the corner. So he's another guy that could get just, just get back into live bullets before say obviously you know the playoffs start and when it you know when it's do or die so I think it's going to be used to to rest guys I mean I don't see you know the Bombers wanting to uh you know play that last regular season game with a full lineup so I could see them switching things this this year compared to last year where they played a you know a, you know nobody really in their starters in the in the last or second last game 
um, and then dressed half their, you know, or sorry, sat half their starters for the second half of the last game. I could see that being switched maybe this year where they they take it a little bit easier the first game and then sit out a majority of their starters uh, for the final game. But who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what they do. But they do have, you know, guys who are banged up that could use the rest. And then they definitely have guys who have been sidelined for a while that could use, you know, shaking off some of the rust before uh, for the, like I said, the real games count. Well, we'll have some some time. Hey, just quickly on the, the CFL, because I want to get to Jets with you. But um, what do you make of the Riders situation right now after that loss to Hamilton? I mean, Hamilton is only one game back of Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is on the bye this week. And if Hamilton can make up one game on the Riders, they will not even make the playoffs in the crossover as they'll have an equal record. Uh, you know, it's uh, what have I said kind of week in and week out on this show. They're an absolute disaster. And they're officially... <laughs> They're officially no longer control their destiny, destiny anymore when it comes to making the playoffs. So if Hamilton can somehow rise to the occasion here, and that's that's a big a big what if. Um, but if they can rise to the occasion here, they can punch their ticket into the playoffs and ultimately eliminate the team that's hosting this year in, in the Riders and and for a team that had massive expectations coming into week one. I mean, it's just and there's nothing to suggest that even if the Rough Riders do manage to you know do manage to squeeze into the playoffs to the East that they're going to have any luck on that side either, because we just haven't seen anything over the last month and change that shows the rough riders mm-hmm. being anything but a bad team. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here, but you know, this has been a, you know, this has been a storyline for the last few weeks and you know, what, what seemed like an impossible situation has now become not necessarily probable, but plausible nonetheless and we'll be interesting to see if the if the Rough Riders can figure things out here because if you don't make the playoffs, if you don't even make the playoffs, which is embarrassing, you know, in and of itself, but to do to not do so in a year where you're hosting the Grey Cup, I don't know what you have to do as an organization, but you'd have to think there'd be some sweeping changes in the in Riderville. No doubt about that. Okay, listen, we just got a couple minutes. And we're going to head out to uh, talk Jets with Mike out in Banff, but. Uh... What do you think of everything that happened on the weekend? Johnny Kovacevic lost to the Habs on waivers. Jansen Harkins clears waivers, is sent down. Looks like Saku Menelainen's made the team. And then uh, Axel F joining us. Axel JF, excuse me. And that's a Beverly Hills Cop reference for you, uh, all folks that are old enough to remember. Um, he's coming in at some point to uh, potentially have an opportunity to show what he can do in the fourth line in a penalty-killing role. Uh, Overall, just thoughts on the preseason and the moves that have made raid right now, including, of course, Billy Hainalot, much to the chagrin of a section of the Jets fan base going back to the Moose. Yeah, I don't know much about the newcomer outside of what you kind of said off the top of the show and, and of course, the flow. So I'm not going to be able to provide much there. But, you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, even starting with Johnny Kovacevic, I think, you know, I think a lot of uh, eyebrows were raised in the sense that, okay, the Jets had drafted and developed this guy. He was one of their own. And, and maybe they thought that he would slip through, uh, you know, waivers there and, you know, with, with kind of, obviously that hope. Um, but at the same time, they had made a decision that they were willing to, to lose him, right? They were willing to at least risk losing him. So, you know, clearly did not fit what they thought would be in their top eight, let alone their top six at this point, um, which is an interesting move. And, and, you know, best of luck to him now in Montreal as he's going to get an opportunity to stay up in the roster for a month. So, um, but yeah, moving on, you know, you look at guys like, you know, Jansen Harkins who, who cleared waivers and is now with the Moose. Can't say that one's surprising. You know, he certainly, if you're asking him, would be a disappointing situation is I think he was penciled in there as the third line with uh, with Mason Appleton and Adam Lowry. And that spot seems to be taken over by Morgan Barrett. So, 
you know, I don't know if, you know, I thought, I thought, I personally thought that Jansen Harkins would maybe drop to the fourth line, just given his energy and ability to play defense, but that's not, uh, not what Rick bonus had in the cards for him. And then you look at, uh, you look at Billy Hainala. I mean, look, you know, you knew this was going to be a massive, you know, situation for fans. You know, there's some who believe that, that, uh, you know, Billy has, not gotten to the point where he can be a regular NHLer that his defense lacks and, and yada yada and then you have those who you know proponents of, of Billy Hainala who's who look at his offense and ability to work on the power play and his puck moving abilities and you know it, I, it would really be interesting to see what that conversation was like between you know Rick Bonus and, and Kevin Chevalier off and you know how long it lasted how quick it might have been um, you know, but at the end of the day, Rick Bonus essentially said, you're going to play your way on or play your way off the team. And clearly he saw, you know, Billy Hainala not playing his way onto the team, which I think is an interesting thing here too, Huss, because look, if you look at the preseason, there was lots of good. There was certainly some bad from Billy Hainala and making mistakes and, you know, drawing, you know, uh, holding penalties and bad give ups that led to goals. But you also saw him you know, rush the ice. You saw him again, take over the power play. You saw him set up goals. And for, you know, for a coach who said, you know, our D are coming uh, and wants to pretty much double the scoring on the blue line. You know, I don't know if that's going to happen without the likes of a guy like Billy Hainala. So interesting move. Uh, you know, I'm not, I don't make the decisions. So, you know, I don't really have an opinion of where Blame Jeff, or, folks. Go, Blame but, Jeff. Uh, it's all, all you. Certainly an interesting, certainly an interesting move, and one that I think you know was definitely going to ruffle feathers of some. So, but you know, my biggest thing, Huss, and like you know, four one and one's a nice little record, obviously for preseason. But my my thing is, is is this team going to buy in? I mean, we talked about this last week. I mean, now that the you know now that the preseason's over, now that the the whole bonding situation and the golf games and fishing's over in Banff, I mean, it's it's down to business, and and you know the focus needs to be razor sharp. The ins installment of new systems need to be as clean as they can be through the lot. You know, after working through them for the last couple of weeks here, and I think it's going to be an interesting situation for this club, and and you know because I don't think Winnipeg can really afford to have these you know, growing pains off the bat. And they have a very difficult schedule of October. Um, so all those things considered, it will be a, you know, it'll be a fascinating season nonetheless, but I think it'll be a, a certainly an intriguing few weeks here to kick off starting with uh, New York on Thursday. No doubt about it. Hammer, thanks so much for doing this, man. I look forward to catching up later this week and uh, seeing what happens when the uh, puck drops for the Jets finally on Friday night. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Huss. Always appreciate it. At Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter, and make sure you're reading all of Jeff's works on both the Jets and the Bombers at WinnipegFreePress.com. Uh, hey, huge turnout today. Not surprising, folks. If you're new here, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us daily here, 1 o'clock, live on YouTube, and the podcast up around 3.30, wherever you get your favorite pods. Our Why Not Question of the Day, hit us up in the comments right now. What do you think of the weekend moves by the Winnipeg Jets? Billy Hainala, Jansen Harkins, the loss of Kovacevic, and bringing in Axeloff waivers from the Washington Capitals. Of course, not Autocorp, great sponsors of ours, and the Tesla leaders in Manitoba. About 30 Teslas on the, uh, on the lot right now. And they've also got the great Tesla Experience program for overnight or weekend-long Tesla experiences available opportunity to learn everything about electric vehicles and technology from the Tesla experts. And listen, if you've got a little work on the car you need to do, think about the Winnipeg Car Lab. Custom commercial graphics and vinyl wraps for your vehicles, boats, quads, sleds, and more. 
3M certified 20-year experience master installer, now part of the Knot team. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot crew? Waverly and McGilvery, pop down and see them or check them out online at knot.ca. Well, jet season is here. We're going to drop the puck on Friday. Might be a good time to pop into Royal Sports and freshen up your gear for the upcoming season. Royal Sports is, of course, the greatest selection of licensed merchandise for the home teams here. Jets, Bombers, and more. National Football League, Major League Baseball, NBA, and tons of Canada soccer gear just in time for the World Cup. Pop down and see him, 750 Pembina Highway. And while you're there, check out the greatest hockey selection in town down over at Royal Sports. Um, a big shout out to Andrew and the gang over at F Apparel. Folks, if you missed our Friday show, it was our 400th. We put the suits on. We got great feedback for it. If you feel that you need to step up uh, your game in the wardrobe department, head on down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Got a couple great deals on right now for these suits. A fall wedding promo. Book your 2023 wedding group in and get fitted before the end of November. And every member of the wedding party will get a free custom shirt and 10% off their suit. A total of $130 or more savings per person. It pays to come in early. And guys, they've also got another great deal. Buy one suit, get one for 30% off. Perfect for anyone that's looking at a wardrobe refresh, anyone that wears suits daily or has events coming up soon. All right, let's get to it. Out to Banff we go. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press joins us from beautiful, scenic Banff, Alberta. Mike, what's going on? How's the uh, how's the weekend? Uh, it's it's been a tremendous weekend, tremendous long weekend, Huss. Uh, got, got to Calgary on Friday and then headed out to Banff on, uh, on Saturday and spent the last uh, few days kind of in, inside the rink and then enjoying uh, nature, as you can kind of see behind me here. It, it may not, it, it probably looks to viewers like I'm in a cabin or a lodge or something. I'm actually in the hockey rink right now. Uh, I would suggest this is the most scenic rink imaginable. Um, this is the backdrop. Uh, I'm just in a conference room, and the the rink where the Jets just skated is just outside the door here. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I mean everywhere you go, of course, in the Banff area is just you're surrounded by beauty. Uh, but yeah, I've had a lot of fun. Um, I actually climbed a mountain on Saturday, uh, an almost two and a half hour hike. Uh, up Sulphur Mountain, and then I took the gondola back down. That was uh, that was an interesting uh, way to spend a few hours, and an exhilarating way to spend a few hours. Um, soaked in the hot springs last night uh, in Banff, and that was a great way to unwind. Great restaurants here in town. You know what, Huss? If the Jets want to hold training camp here every year. I'm I'm down for it. You and the fellas are in. Yeah, not surprising. Yeah. Listen, I want to get to the player moves, the practice today, and look ahead. But um, just quickly, what were the Jets up to over the course of the few days? The team building stuff. I mean, I know you had a great sit down in the Winnipeg Free Press with Nikolai Ehlers. Um, fill us in on a little bit on uh, before we get to practice today. Yeah. What the team has been doing? Yeah, it's it's really interesting the way they've done the bonding here, and you know, it, it's smart. They, they've they did some things designed to um, to get guys out of their element, to get players together privately and, and sort of privately. And, you know, guys that maybe wouldn't spend a whole lot of time together for whatever reason. They're at different stages of their careers. They're, you know, different ages. 
So the first big thing they did was on Saturday, uh, they, they had like a bit of a fishing derby and they went out uh, in boats of two. And so they had guys again that, you know, sort of yin and yang, I guess, would be the way of looking at it. So for example, Mark Shifley was with David Gustafson. Um, I mean, they're both centers on the team, but they're at very different parts of their career. Um, Nate Schmidt just told us a few minutes ago when we spoke to him, he was with uh, Vili Hainala, um, who of course he was paired with uh, on in Friday's game in Calgary. But, you know, you got a guy like uh, Nate who's very outgoing. Billy would be a little more reserved, a little more shy. And the idea was, you know, break the ice, right? It's a, it's a tried and true formula. And to a player, they all kind of raved about how they got to know each other in a way that lots of them didn't. I mean, sure, a lot of these guys have played a number of years together, but there's some new faces. And, you know, they went out of their way to match guys up that they thought would be sort of good combinations. And I think, you know, the result was a, a tighter, closer team. Same thing on Sunday, Huss. They played Silvertip, which is a, a beautiful golf course uh, just near Canmore, um, you know, just outside Banff here. And they were having, they were in foursomes, but it was teams of two hit it against each other. And I think the idea was similar. Get guys, you know, maybe they're in different positions or they don't spend a whole lot of time off the ice together. So, you know, I think it was a, it was a success off the ice. Certainly the idea was to bring this group closer together to get the, the good times going. And the Jets certainly had plenty of that. Team dinners, um, you know, they were out and about walking around town. We heard a lot of stories from different servers. I mean, it's a small town, right? So we heard lots of stories of Jets being spotted, you know, in, in restaurants and whatnot over the last few days. So, yeah, I think the Jets that will arrive home on the charter this evening are, are, are a tighter and probably much looser, much more relaxed group. All right, Mike. Well, let's get to, I mean, the story that we've been talking about for months in our weekly conversations here on the program, almost every day, talking about the Jet Blue Line. We knew how stocked it was, um, how deep it was, and the fact that you can only have so many players on. Um, what do you make of Johnny Kovacevic being put on waivers when he did and getting claimed by the Montreal Canadiens and rumors that there were multiple teams that put a claim in on Kovacevic? Um, and, of course, Vili Hainala going to the Manitoba Moose. Um, and the guy that we didn't talk about very much that's still with the club is Kyle Capabianco. And, you know, it seemed at the end of the of the preseason, he wasn't even playing really in the games. They were going with Stanley. They were going with Schmidt. They were going with Hainala. Um, where, where is Capabianco left on all of this? Um, so maybe right. step up to the buffet, as our Ken Weep would say, <laughs> and give us your thoughts on everything that's happened blue line-wise to where we are today. Well, I'll start on the, the hottest topic of all and that's the Billy Hanela one and it's the freshest because we just actually just a few minutes ago just spoke to Rick Bonus here in Banff at the rink about Billy and it was interesting I just tweeted out one of his comments um, a few moments ago that um, he said the conversation with Billy I told him you're an NHL player which Billy I'm putting words in his mouth but you wonder if he thought well then why aren't I in the NHL but you wonder if that's what the young man's thinking. You're being told you're an NHL player, but you're being assigned to the AHL yet again. Um, it was interesting to hear Rick Bonus's explanation. And, you know, it didn't surprise me how he explained it. First and foremost, if Vili Hanel is going to play in the top six, Rick Bonus believes he should play on the power play. But that's where one of his real strengths is. 
And Rick Bonus says, with Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, and Nate Schmidt, he has those veterans ahead of the young guy, the kid, on the power play. So he doesn't necessarily see a spot right now for him on the power play. So that takes away maybe an area where Billy would be a real weapon. And I think his best hockey in the preseason, we saw him do some really good things on the power play. I think Rick Bonus though, wants to give Morrissey, Pionk, Schmidt a chance to be the anchors on the blue line on the power play. That could change, certainly. And, of course, injuries can come up. But to start the year, he doesn't have Billy on the power play. We also know that, you know, he wasn't using Billy Hanela on the penalty kill in preseason. Billy's done some in the in in minor leagues with the Moose, yes. Uh, but I don't think they were ready to give him some PK minutes here. So that leaves a guy that Rick Bonus probably feels he's not going to play him nearly as much as he'd like. Um, and the other big thing, Haas, just to be clear, a guy like Kyle Capobianco did not beat Billy Heinola out for a job. And I can't stress that enough. Kyle Capobianco is, is likely not playing over Billy Heinola. If the Jets get an injury or two on the blue line, I fully expect Billy <clears throat> would come up and be in the lineup before a guy like Capobianco. But the fact is, Capobianco... They don't have an issue with sitting him in the press box as the seventh or more likely the eighth guy if they're going to keep 8D. They do not want to do that with Billy. They want him to go down and anchor the Moose power play, to play on the top unit, to play 24 minutes a night, and be ready if an injury or circumstance requires them to bring him up. So you can debate whether or not Billy should be in your starting six. The fact, though, that they don't view him today as being in that starting six and the power play usage is a big reason for it, um, there's no value in parking him in the box as seven or eight right now. He's a phone call away. He's playing in the same city as the NHL team. He doesn't need waivers. And that was, you know, agree or disagree, that was what was behind the decision. So where does that leave, Mike, uh, Logan Stanley and Dylan Sandberg? I mean, we've been talking about the triple threat match. Who's going to get to the top of the ladder and get that yeah. spot? Um, who's going to be in the lineup on Friday? Do we know why whoever it is that's won that job is that spot? And is that the way things will be going forward? Or do you expect to see both of those players get in games early in the season? I do expect to see both players get in. And in fact, I, I specifically asked Rick Bonus a, a bit ago here, are we going to see like a rotation and an ongoing competition between Stanley and Sandberg for that sixth spot? Um, and, and he said, yes. And then he threw Capobianco's name. To me, Capobianco is the wild card. And, and here's why. And it goes back to what you were asking about a few minutes ago where he factors in. The Jets are still going to need to make one more roster cut here by Friday. Um, Mason Appleton, yes, he's still skating in a, in a red non-contact, but the expectation is he's playing on Friday. So he won't be on IR come Friday night. And neither will Pierre-Luc Dubois. He was the full participant. So they, don't, they, can't, they can't bank a spot by putting a guy on the injured list. And Axel Janssen Fallaby, and it's going to take me a while to get used to saying, and I probably just butchered it. Just go with Axel. Let's just call him Axel. Uh, Rick Bonus confirmed the work visa situation will be rectified by Thursday. He will be at practice Thursday in Winnipeg. He will be added to the roster by the end of the week. So he, 
This isn't a situation where it's going to drag out a week or two, buying them some time. So they are going to have to make one more roster move. And I guess the question I have us is, is Kyle Capobianco that roster move? Would they potentially go 14 and seven, especially when one of the 14 is a guy that will just get to town on Thursday and have one practice under his belt? I mean, I don't know how quickly you work Axel necessarily into the lineup. So maybe you want an extra forward here to start. But going back to your Kovacevic question, I must admit I was surprised. But in the in the eyes of the Jets, the only way I can really explain it is they saw Kyle Capobianca, who is the same age as Johnny Kovacevic, albeit not a drafted and developed guy, a guy they went out and signed last summer, they view him as it basically he he outplayed Johnny Kovacevic. And, you know, he's he's a guy, and I don't know if there's the same concern about losing him on waivers if they were to put him on waivers in a day or two. But I am curious to see what what the last kind of you know shoe to fall here is. And what was telling as well, Huss, during practice today on that fourth line, the Jets were basically doing a four-man rotation for who was playing on the fourth line. You had Gustafson, and I don't think he's going anywhere. You had Gagne. I don't really think he's going anywhere. Uh, and then you had uh, Toninato and Manalainen. And they were all kind of rotating. The, the fourth line, it was uh, three of those four guys, like every line rush. And now you're going to add Axel to that mix. Um, I don't know what the fourth line is come Friday because I don't know if a forward is getting cut. To me, Dominic Toninato would be the guy that probably goes if they're going to cut a forward. But I don't know that they're going to cut a forward. They may just decide that Bianco goes and they basically have 7D and it's a Stanley and Schmidt rotation early in the year until one guy either puts his stamp on that job or both guys disappoint. And then that's where a guy like Billy comes into play. So there are still some questions about the lineup um, that I, I, I think we're still a few days away, at, at the very least, from having answered. Do, do you think the Jets were surprised that Kovacevic had the interest that he had? Um, I had speculated last week. I mean, we always sort of maybe overvalue the guys that we see all the right. time. I mean, you don't have as much of an idea of what's happening in the other 31 teams. Everyone's making tough decisions right now, putting guys on waivers, getting them through. Right. Um, did it catch them by surprise that, you know, the well, apparently multiple teams put in uh, in claims on him? Well, and, and not only that, Huss, but he didn't even get past number one. I mean, Montreal, Montreal had first dibs at him and they claimed him, uh, which if I'm the Jets, that tells me, oh, geez, they, they, you know, looks like a lot of teams maybe saw value in a guy that we didn't. And I'm not suggesting the Jets don't see value in Johnny Kovacevic. It's just it feels like this was something that maybe there are other ways around this. And, and so I go back to Capobianco and, and I'll, I'll say this, Huss, if the Jets are going to keep Capobianco around as, essentially as the eighth defenseman, like if Stanley and Sandberg are kind of rotating and you've got Capobianco here as number eight, if I'm the Jets, why wouldn't you have waived Capobianco and kept Kovacevic around as the eighth defenseman? All things being equal, one is a journeyman you went out and signed last summer for a league minimum, basically. The other is a guy you've spent years drafting and developing. I would rather, if you're going to lose a defenseman because you, you have to waive one of them, I would prefer it to be 
the guy that you just went out and signed last summer, not the guy that you've spent years investing in. So, I mean, if they end up waving Capo Bianco this week, then I'd say it's kind of a moot point. Both guys were gone. But if they keep Capo Bianco just to kind of sit him as the number eight guy, to me, I would have done the reverse. I would have waved Capo Bianco. I would have kept Kovacevic. And at least you hold on to your asset. Would the Montreal Canadiens have claimed Kyle Capobianco, I don't know the answer to that, maybe, uh, but um, it, it, it was some curious asset management for sure. Uh, I'd love to kind of tell you, you know, the, the thinking behind it, but we haven't had a chance. Um, Kevin Cheveldayoff hasn't spoken here in Banff. Um, we did make a request to speak with him, but uh, so I, I can't tell you what the logic behind that was, but, you know, all things being considered, Probably not a huge loss in terms of the roster as they were viewing it for this season, but it's disappointing to lose a guy that you spent years developing. Well, and, and listen, I mean, it's just part of the game playing in a Canadian market that, you know, we and fans sit around here obsessing about the 13th forward and the sixth defenseman. Yes. But let's face it, uh, if this team is going to be a playoff team, is going to have a big turnaround, it's not going to be because of the sixth defenseman or Saku line and who's ever playing that fourth line. It's right. going to be on Mark Shifley, Pierre-Luc Dubois, the big boys, Connor Hellebuck, and we could go down the list. Um, what do you think about the club? I mean, uh, focusing on the guys, I mean, a pretty nice way to finish it with those two wins against the Calgary Flames. Um, how's this team looking and feeling going into a pretty significant test on uh, game number one against NYR? It is, yeah. And I mean, I think you have to take you take the preseason with a grain of salt for sure. And especially the first four games to me, I don't put a lot of stock in what the result was. The lineups were vastly different, you know, depending on who was the home team. I do though put some stock in the last two games because the Calgary Flames basically dressed their A lineup both games. They didn't dress Jacob Markstrom on, on uh, Wednesday. Um, but Jacob Markstrom, unless he was going to go score them some goals, wouldn't have helped them that night. But they did dress basically all their top forwards and their top D, and they did that again on Friday, and Jacob Markstrom was in net. And to me, Haas, the Jets soundly outplayed Calgary in five of the six periods. The second period in Calgary, um, I think we saw a push from, from a Flames team that had been ripped by their coach after Wednesday's performance then came out on Friday and didn't exactly look much better. And so I think, you know, it was inevitable that the Flames were going to push back in the second, and they did. But then I thought the Jets put together a real nice third period in Calgary. And, you know, Calgary is a team that a lot of people are predicting they're going to be right there with the Edmontons and maybe the Vegases um, in the Pacific Division. They finished second in the West last year. Um, yeah, they had a couple big losses this offseason, but boy, oh boy, did they ever get a couple big additions. So the Jets went out and played two really good, you know, five out of six periods, I would say, outscored them 10 to three. I think you can put a little bit of stock into that. And, you know, for good reason, that's got some real positive feelings around this club, in addition to spending four days out here in, in Banff and all the good feelings that come from that. I think there were some signs and and certainly, you know, the systems that Rick Bonus has put in place, we saw, you know, points in the game where you could see the defense getting more aggressive and pinching. 
I saw Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor doing really good jobs of back-checking, of covering. Um, and I see it in practice the last couple of days, the, the urgency, you know, Rick Bonus and, and how vocal he is with this group and the pace and the tempo and the messaging. So, yeah, I guess it could all come crashing down, you know, with a bad start here. But I think there's a lot of reasons for... Um, for optimism about you know what this Jets group might be able to accomplish. Um, okay, a couple other things. I want to ask you about the power play. The one guy we haven't mentioned is Brad Lambert. And Lambert, of course, been sent to the moose, but he was out playing, I guess, kind of one-on-one with uh, Mike Keene today. Um, yeah. Is this just a matter of um, the agent uh, getting the Larry Simmons uh, treatment and uh, taking a little bit longer to get this deal done or what? Yeah, and it's interesting because both Kevin Shoveldap and Larry Simmons have been out here in Banff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they got to get a deal done with this guy if he's going to play, obviously, and, you know, moose season starts Friday. Like, we're running out of time here. Um, you and I talked, I think, even a week ago about what some of the holdups might be that his agent just be might the be. bonus structure, right? Just grinding for sure, them for a higher slot, if you will? Yeah, that, you know, maybe his agent wants some bonus slots that, that are more uh, – befitting of a guy that goes kind of in the, the the top half of the first round as opposed to the third last pick in the first round. You know, I still, I think if the, if the plan is for him to play in the A to start, they'll, they'll get a deal done. Like the, I mean, the agent, the agent doesn't have a lot of leverage here. They really don't. Um, and, and we're talking about in the grand scheme of it, like this isn't going to get held up over the kind of money that we're talking about. Um, you know what? I'll say this though, Haas. Looking at at now with like Jansen Harkins going to the Moose, Kevin Stenland, Christian Reichel, the, the Moose they are loaded and almost too loaded. Like I don't know where all these forwards necessarily play. Um, I guess Mark Morrison. It's probably a good problem to have, but you know, I just wonder where Brad Lambert. And I'm not saying he doesn't fit in, but I just think it's going to be a challenge to get all these guys, some really high-end forwards at the AHL level, to get them the kind of reps and the opportunities that they they need. So I'm not saying that that would necessarily change the Lambert plan, but my goodness, looking at the forward depth for the Moose, there's some good players that they're going to be lucky to even be getting in the lineup on any given night. You know, it's a great point, and um, we'll be talking lots of boosts going into their home opener on Saturday, the night after uh, the Jets drop the puck against the New York Rangers at Canada Life Center. Mike, I know you got to run just in the last couple minutes. We've got you here. Um, fill us in on the power play today. Um, uh, how did things look in practice, and uh, in particular, the um, th- that second group? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we haven't seen a whole lot of the second group in the preseason because the first unit has been so effective, Huss. Um me, the power play has been an early success story. And again, I, I say take it all with a, a bit of a, um, you know, a, a bit of a word of caution because you have to look at what the other teams were often trotting out when it comes to um, to the penalty kill. And and sometimes, you know, it was a, a significant mismatch uh, on the ice and on paper. But, you know, I think with the Jets, they're still figuring out exactly what they have in the second unit. The first unit's pretty set right and it was interesting to see like Sam Gagne um, get a look out there on the second unit along with Wheeler and Perfetti and I think there's reason for that I mean Sam Gagne he played that one game with the top unit 
uh, when Pierre-Luc Dubois wasn't playing, and he made a couple of just terrific passes. Oh. Um, you know, absolute beauties. Everyone was talking about those after the game. For sure. So I go back to what you and I kind of touched on a little bit last week. That second unit, if you've got Gagne out there and Blake Wheeler, and then Cole Perfetti, Cole Perfetti's got to be the shooter there, Huss, uh, because Wheeler, we know Wheeler likes to be the setup guy, although he did shoot the puck a little more last year on the power play. Um, and he, you've got Pionk and Schmidt as the two blue line options. I mean, n- you know, neither has an absolute cannon. They all can shoot the puck, of course. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how that looks in, in a game situation. And I got to imagine the message to Cole Perfetti is, you know, Blake and Sam Gagne, they're going to get you the puck, kid. You, you get open, they'll get you the puck. You got to rip it. Um, don't be deferring to the veterans. But, you know, what a it, it, it's got to be an interesting feeling if you're Cole Perfetti. You're just starting out in this league and you're out there with Blake Wheeler and, and Sam Gagne one guy who's just played his thousandth game last year, another guy who's going to play his thousandth game this year. Um, so, you know, that's that's a big ask for a young player. Um, but let's go back to, you know, Cole Perfetti. He, he's been a shooter in junior, right? I mean, he, he's always been the go-to guy. Um, so this is giving him, you know, a lot of looks for sure. And it'll be interesting to see, of course, if Ehlers, Connor, Shifley, Dubois, and Morrissey do – if they pick up in the regular season uh, where they kind of left off in the preseason, I don't think you have to worry about who's on PP2 because PP1 is going to score a lot of goals <laughs> uh, before PP2 can even see the ice. Great stuff, Mike. Uh, folks, get to the free press. Some great content coming out of Banff, including a fireside chat with the new head coach, Rick Bonus. It's all there. Mike, enjoy your uh, final hours in Banff. We'll look forward to seeing you back here at the rink and uh, thanks as always. Great stuff in the free press over the course of the weekend. You bet, Huss. Enjoy the week. Appreciate it. There's Mike McIntyre. Make sure you're giving him a follow and uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to chatting with Mike all year long. Of course, home opener coming up. Uh, All right, we've got more to get to. Andy McNeil, the digital gambler, is going to jump by. Andy's got his pre-season predictions and reports out. We'll see what he thinks about the Winnipeg Jets as well as some of the other teams in the NHL. It'll be dropping the puck uh, tonight and tomorrow, now that the uh, Sharks and Preds are on their way back from Europe to start things off. Um, Again, make sure you hit us up in the comments with your thoughts on the why not question of the day, your reaction to the Jets roster moves to get to 23 on cut down day. Um, Great, great game for the Bombers on Saturday. Great turnout at the Princess Auto tailgate zone beforehand. One more time to do it in the regular season against the British Columbia Lions and then November 13th, the West Final right here in Winnipeg. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Bombers and the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone, great supporters of ours and the place where you'll find the best assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Our friends at Culligan Water have been the water experts in Winnipeg, family-owned for over 65 years, with all of your water needs covered for your home, your cottage, or your business. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, 
and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Culligan Man's got you covered. Pop down and see our friends at Culligan at 1200 Sargent Avenue, online at drinkculligan.com. And of course, you can hit him up on a phone call at 694-5180. Cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, too. Got a couple DMs from folks that heard us talking about the Canadian Club and ginger ale ready to drink in cans this summer and got into it on the weekend and had great reports on it. Folks, if you haven't tried CC and ginger now in cans, it's available in six packs at your local beer store and, dare I say, makes a nice accompaniment to another bomber win at IG Field. Of course, Canadian Club, the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and uh, you can pick up the great taste of Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts as well. Uh, Monday Nighter, we will talk a little NFL at the end of the program. Thriller between the Chiefs and Raiders. Uh, but everyone just talking about roughing the passer penalties coming out of this weekend. Uh, Thursday Nighter, Chicago Bears, Washington Commanders. Buckle up. Um, but listen, sometimes you got to maybe occupy yourself. And you can do that. At your local Boston Pizza, maybe get a couple of the uh, hockey games on as well. And, uh, of course, entertain yourself with BP Pizza Flights, an ice-cold bud draft on special for 5 bucks every game. When you watch NFL football at BP, you'll be entered to win one of two grand prize trips for two for an NFL weekend in Vegas, including airfare, hotel, NFL game tickets, and a bonus NHL game. First trip, November 11th to 13th, Raiders-Colts, and then Golden Knights and Blues on Saturday night. Second trip is New Year's Eve weekend, Raiders-Niners, plus the Knights and Preds at New Year's Eve. Watch the NFL and enter to win at any Winnipeg, Selkirk, Steinbeck, Morden, and Portage, Boston Pizza location. All right, been looking forward to this for a while. We're finally ready to drop the puck on the upcoming season, and that means we got to get into the lab with our guy, Andy McNeil, the digital gambler, who's rocking a beautiful Jets heritage hat for a little visit on WST. Andy, what's up, man? How are you? I, I had to pander, you know, with this hat on. I'm always, always trying to pander to my audience. And speaking of pandering, while you're hanging out at Boston Pizza, pick up a copy of the 2022-23 VEASAN NHL betting guide, you know, read through while you're munching on some appies maybe some of those uh what are they uh, spicy spicy chicken fingers I forget what cactus cuts of course <laughs> they're definitely there at all well you know what? hey listen just before i start you know asking you about some of the, uh, the uh the the teams and certainly what you think about the winnipeg jets going into this season tell us about the visa betting guide where you can get it and what's the sort of content in i mean there's obviously tons of stuff out for people doing their fantasy draft or their hockey pools but they sort of do that and then they move on to the season this is something that can i think help people on a daily basis who like to uh put a little sprinkle down on nhl games for sure yeah i, I share my thoughts on all 32 teams but not only that um my my projections which are, which are uh, among the most accurate out there in the, the hockey betting space um i think the best way to look at predicting anything and predicting specifically hockey games here, uh, is, you know, we're looking at a, a range of outcomes. There's a lot of ways that things can work out. Um, on average, I'm off about eight points, uh, you know, on my predictions. Uh, and and that's roughly right around where the betting market is uh, each year, too. So there is, you know, a margin of error here, uh, but it goes both ways. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of recreational betters, a lot of kind of part-time casual betters, this is this is your time to shine to to make some of these future bets that maybe are being overlooked by the market. 
Uh, you know, there there are some teams that I, that I look at as as over bets and under bets on their point totals, some division winners, um, all things like that. I give you odds uh, on on each team's uh, chances of winning their division, uh, the Stanley Cup, you know, and and uh, the the point projections as well, and making the playoffs. Um, there's there's a lot out there uh, for people to comb through, and this guide is kind of like this, you know, just this little thing that you can keep in your pocket and take with you from sports book to sports book. Uh, as you shop around for the best odds. Well, it, it really is a great piece. Again, it's the VEASAN betting guide for 2022 of uh, NHL. Fill people in on where they can get it, Andy. And, of course, uh, folks, make sure you're following them on Twitter at Digital Gambler. I'm sure many of the links are there as well. Yeah, there, there are some different subscription op- options over at, at VEASAN.com, but the, the NHL betting op- uh, guide is is uh, available as part of a, a pro subscription. So you can go on o- over to vcin.com slash subscribe and, and check out some of the options that they have there. Well, let's talk about the home team here, the Winnipeg Jets. Very disappointing season last year, an interesting off season where a lot of change was expected. Didn't necessarily happen. Uh, but Rick Bonus has come in, certainly a new head coach, new systems. I mean, there's a lot of, it feels quite new because of the atmosphere around the club, but many of the, Many of the players are still the same. Um, first of all, your thoughts on last season, Andy, and what can we learn from what didn't go well for the Winnipeg Jets, adding in a new head coach, and how optimistic can Jet fans be about a return to the playoffs in your mind? Yeah, so, uh, you know, as, la- as far as last season goes, I think this, it was kind of a bit of a reckoning, I guess. The Jets are a team that um, have, you know, sort of over overperformed on offense, I guess you could say, because of the, the shooting talent that they have uh, in their lineup. Um, and, and they underperformed expected goals last season. They probably didn't score as many goals as they should have. Uh, and if that's their, the, if, you know, if that's their kind of floor, uh, which was still roughly three goals per game, that's, that's pretty decent, right? Uh, you know, so um, I, I think, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about this team. I, I think on the macro level, I would be a lot more optimistic if Barry Trotz, let's say, was the, the head coach of this hockey team. Um, but I, I do think Rick Bonus seems like the the type of coach that that's maybe good at the little things, which is probably what this team needs, because I think there is a good hockey team here. There's not a lot of um, a lot of change needed, I don't think, to, to, you know, to be a playoff team after all they've been in the playoffs just about every year since since Connor Hellebuck's uh, been in in goal for this team. Um, so you know, like I said, Rick Bonus, he's a he's a, a Nova Scotia guy like myself. We're we're both bullshitters. He'll probably be able to uh, to to you know touch this team and and uh, and and get through to them in, in ways that maybe the previous coaching staff couldn't. So uh, of all the teams that I have projected to miss the playoffs more often than not, uh, I do have the the Jets kind of on the the underside of the. The central division but it's it's really mm-hmm. close i've got five points separating winnipeg uh and 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 st louis uh in the in the number three spot so um you know there, there's a lot of of ways that things could turn out but i think of all the teams that i've got projected to miss the playoffs more often than not um you know i, I th- this is a team that i could be very wrong about like i said i think there's a good hockey mm-hmm. team here but it's a numbers game like you said i'm in the lab and uh, they kind of grayed out poorly from, you know, through the lens of, of modern hockey statistics, right? They ranked, they ranked pretty poorly in, in some of those metrics, like expected goals against. Yeah, expected goals against was a disaster for the way that they played in the better part of the last few years. And it certainly gave Connor Hellebuck an opportunity to show everyone how brilliant he can be and win him a Vesna trophy. 
But that is the first thing on Rick Bonus's list. Get this team playing a different way, being more responsible defensively. And listen, we haven't seen any regular season games yet, but I will tell you that the effort, the engagement, the back-checking of, in particular, that incredibly talented top line that the Winnipeg Jets have was um, was quite, quite attractive. By the way, just a bit of breaking news. Remus is telling me that the Jets have placed Mason Appleton on IR, so maybe that means that he won't be in the lineup on Friday night, and, of course, that would mean the Jets can kick the can down the road a little bit on that final roster move. We'll have more on that later on as well as on tomorrow's show. Um, Andy, you know, I was in uh, doing the lock shop with Dustin Nielsen on the weekend. And, you know, certainly, you know, being, you know, he in Edmonton and me in Winnipeg, I kind of did focus on some Winnipeg Jet futures. Um, love Cole Perfetti at over 14 and a half goals. I mean, if he can stay healthy playing power play and playing on that second line, I mean, he'll be relied on for more than that in that position. So I certainly like that. What do you think about Mark Shifley, though? Mark Shifley has been a a point-a-game player for the last six years. He missed a few games at the end of last season. I think if the team was in a different situation in the standings, he probably would have returned. And now he's arguably playing with the two most talented wingers that he's ever had on the same line with Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor. Um, thoughts on that line overall and what those players can do as opposed to some pretty lofty futures over under numbers on goals and points for all of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as much as this team's kind of uh, you know, where they end up is going to be determined uh, by Connor Hellebuck. I think, like you said, that that top line is going to play a big role uh, in whether this team is a, a playoff team or not. And, and you know, they're they're looking very capable for sure. I think um, anytime there's a, a player like like Shifley who, you know, produced at a, at a certain rate throughout, uh, you know, over a large sample size like he did and then then sort of ta- has taken a step back, I think, you know, that's a, a good bet to, to bounce back. And, um, you know, if, if you're looking at player futures, uh, definitely Mark Shifley is, is somebody I'd look back at as a, a bounce back candidate. But um, I haven't had a chance you know, to be honest, to really dive into the player futures because I do so much work on the, the team level. So I haven't been been shopping around all that much. Uh, you probably got a better handle on it than I do, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, just that is such a, it's interesting. And I said to the guys at the book, like, give us a number on over under goals for that line. Connor, Ehlers, and Shifley. And I mean, Connor's number, I think, you know, individually is 43 and a half. Ehlers is like 32 and a half. Shifley's 29 and a half. Talking about like 106 goals for a line. And I mean, that's lofty. And as we know with player futures, I mean, injuries can derail those over bets so quickly. And usually the smart money, if you just blindly bet a whole bunch of unders, you're probably going to be doing quite well just because of injury issues so far. Um, Outside of the Winnipeg Jets, Andy, um, who are maybe, is, is there a team or two that when you've crunched your numbers looking at this upcoming season based on what they did in the offseason, where they were at the end of last year, is there a team or two that you are particularly high on that maybe others aren't? Um, Fill us in on uh, maybe the Andy McNeil sleeper teams that will overperform general expectations. Yeah, I I, well... The one that that stands out above all the rest, I think, um, you know, and there's two there's two teams in the East that I think are are a bit underrated, and it's the the Bruins, but more so the Capitals. I think um, Washington they've been such a trendy pick to take a step back these last number of years. Pretty much, 
ever since they won the Stanley Cup in 2018, but they haven't because they have a, a great offense uh, and they're a very underrated defensive team. They're one of the, the top defensive teams by a lot of metrics last season. And it, it was the the goaltending that that kind of dragged this team down. They've, they've overhauled that. They brought in Darcy Kemper. Um, I think Kemper is my sleeper pick to win the Vesna this year, 25 to one. Um, he's uh, one of the best regular season goaltenders. He's got something to prove after uh you know, I guess a lousy performance in the playoffs. And and that's it's not too often that you get a goaltender that just won a Stanley Cup coming to a new team with, uh, you know, with the chip on his shoulder. But Kemper, uh, Kemper's save percentage these last number of seasons has been right up there with Ilya Sorokin, uh, Andre Vasilevsky, and uh, and UC, UC Saros. So um, he, he's my pick to win the Vesna at, at those odds. Um, but just in general, I think, think Washington, what they did in the offseason, adding Dylan Strom and Connor Brown um, and Kemper, uh, they're obviously going to miss Tom Wilson. It looks like he's probably going to miss maybe a month, maybe a little bit more. Be back in December. We don't know what's going to happen with Nicholas Backstrom, but I just, I just really like this team relative to what the uh, the market is saying about them. Ninety, ninety-five and a half points, I believe they're sitting at right now over at at uh, DraftKings uh, and and likely a lot of other sports books. But um, I think this is a hundred-point team, maybe a little bit better than that, and arguably the second best team in the the Metro Division. I think. Uh, there's a lot of teams in there jumbled, just like the the middle of the central division. I think there's a, a big jumble of teams in the middle there in the metro that that where things could go, you know, one of many different ways. And I think the Caps have a, a good chance relative to the the market prices that are out there. I bet them to to win the Metropolitan at plus seven fifty. Andy, um, who's getting the fade treatment from the digital gambler? Who are you looking forward <laughs> to betting against once the puck drops this week? Well, you know, my motto, I guess, is kind of to let the good bets come to me. Don't don't really, you know, chase into chase anything. Um, things kind of present themselves as the the season goes on. So I'm not I'm not too too um, you know bullish on on fading any one particular team until I, I see that price every day. But um, I look at a team like the New Jersey Devils. I just I just don't know where the hype is coming from. I know they had to use five or six different goaltenders last season, um, but uh, I don't think they'll necessarily under perform you know a whole lot relative to the market i think they're sitting at 90 and a half points uh, for a regular season point total i have them around 87 um you know obviously the addition of andre palat is is interesting it's intriguing um and dougie hamilton was hurt for a lot of last year but i i just don't i just don't think this team is going to make any huge huge strides and and they're no better than um than than any of the eight teams that made the playoffs in the eastern conference last year so like the Ottawa Senators, I think they're a little bit overhyped coming into the season. Andy McNeil is on Twitter at Digital Gambler, um, obviously contributing to VEASAN. I mean, fill us in on where you were everywhere over the course of the past year. It's been awesome <laughs> seeing you uh, pop up everywhere. Fill us in on uh, what you've got content-wise coming up uh, now that the puck's dropping. Yeah, so you guys can check out the the daily NHL betting market report every day over at, at VEASAN where I, you know, I'm handicapping every game and, and breaking breaking things down, sharing my thoughts and, and my best bets uh, each day over at VEASAN.com. And, and that's that's where I'm doing everything. No more no more hockey hockey night in Canada for Andy, which I'm sure a lot of people are, are, are happy about. That sucks. That sucks. Well, you know what? Listen, you did a great job. And... I think it was so much. I mean, people that aren't into it the way someone like I am or some of our listeners were, 
it was sort of it was there. But as I said to Remus a million times as people were bitching about it, well, you want to see another bank commercial or another Tim Hortons commercial? I mean, I'd rather see hear you guys chopping it up, talking about it. So, anyways, I thought you guys did yeah, a great you, job. You you know me though. It's like you're like my mom, right? Like, like of course you <laughs> like seeing me. You guys know me, so you like seeing me on TV. But no, it's 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 cool. It, it was a great experience, and uh, I'll I'll probably talk more about it down the road. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was a great experience, and and everybody there was uh, super great to work with. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, just 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 decent for me, which is. Uh, I'm I'm happy being uh you know kind of I kind of if I'm being honest I didn't really I didn't really enjoy getting out of my kind of corner of the internet I like I like where I'm at I want I want my audience to be people that that are interested in gambling and and want to learn about gambling and and talk about sports from a betting perspective to be honest I'm not really I mean I'd rather talk about a million different things than than you know how the game went last night if I didn't have a bet on it so. <laughs> um, I, it's hard to separate sports and betting for me at this point. Everything is from a betting perspective, and um, if if that's what you're into, then then I, I'm probably a good follow. I'm probably somebody that you might like to, uh, you know, some some of the content that I that I produce. But uh, if if you just want to talk hockey, well, I'm not your guy, right? I'm I'm, I'm always looking. I'm always looking for an edge. I'm looking to make money. <laughs> well, let's get back to the lines uh, tonight. We've got two games: Lightning and Rangers at MSG and the Golden Knights in L.A. against the Kings. Uh, got an opening night pick that we should be jumping on? You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm a little bit hesitant here to jump into anything. These lines have been out for, uh, um, you know, the best way to describe sports betting markets, uh, and this is, uh, I, I'm going to steal this here from uh, uh, the, the book, The Logic of Sports Betting, which is a, a great breakdown of a, of a lot of concepts. But um, the author in that book describes uh, sports betting markets like, Black Friday sales, right? Like the the you know the people that line up outside the store and they get those you know four hundred dollar TVs for ninety nine dollars, they're getting the best deals. And then you know you might get a little bit of you might get some of the scraps when it's all said and done, but um, you know for the most part you're you're getting everything that's been picked over. So these lines have been up for a while now, given that they're the opening day lines and uh, they've been picked over quite a bit. I've got both of these games as coin flips. Um, I think the, you know, the Rangers and the Kings should be, should be small favorites. Um, I could be talked into betting the, the, the Kings and the Golden Knights to go over though. These are two of the highest paced teams in the league. I know Jonathan Quick is starting now and, and Logan Thompson. So I'm interested to see where the odds go because I think they, things would have maybe been different if it was Cal Peterson and, and, uh, and Logan Thompson. But, um, I'm interested in, in maybe looking at the over here, over six goals, at around even money because these are, are two very high paced teams. They both ranked among the top 10 teams in terms of, um, you know, shots per 60 minutes. And uh, in each of the last four games last season between these two teams, um, there was at least six goals and four, three out of those four games went over. So, I mean, you know, these two teams like the score whenever they meet up and, and uh, I would think that will be no different tonight. Andy, man, great to have you back on the program. All the best. Good luck with the wagers. And uh, let's catch up soon on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Always appreciate your time. For sure. Anytime, guys. I'll be uh, be in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. There it is. Andy McNeil, folks, as I mentioned. Give him a follow on Twitter at Digital Gambler and check out all of his content over at VEASAN.com. Give a shout out to uh, our guy, DQ Nick, I'm not sure if he's still in here right now, but I did see him pop in a little earlier. 
I mean, this extended beautiful fall we've got is great, I'm sure, for uh, maybe a couple family trips over to the DQ. And I know many of you were smart and jumped on those DQ ice cream cakes to add to the Thanksgiving festivities with the family over the long weekend. Nick and Nikki DQ, great supporters of ours since day one. Four locations in Winnipeg. DQ Niverville, and of course, Nick, a big supporter of the new MJ team there, the Niverville Nighthawks, along with the three Winnipeg locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Pop by for a blizzard, maybe one of their amazing stack burgers, my personal favorite, the Honey Barbecue Chicken Fingers, and more. All the novelties to go. And if you do need a DQ ice cream cake for an upcoming party or event, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make it for you however you want it. And have it ready for a big, for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And um, hey, what a weekend! As I said, one of my favorite weekends I've had in a long, long time. And part of that was enjoying a few ice cold 1919s. Um, listen, we still got a bit of patio weather. I know I think it's going to get colder in the next couple days, but uh, might be a great evening too. After work, bust down and check out the new patio at Little Brown Jug. And while you're there, you can to try and sample all of the great Little Brown Jug beers and then pick up your favorites to take home. If you can't make it down to Little Brown Jug, check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca. They do offer citywide delivery or grab a 1919 at your favorite local restaurant or, of course, at your favorite beer store for all of the Little Brown Jug delicacies waiting for you there. Again, citywide delivery online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, we do got to get to the cool bet lines. We do have a couple games tonight, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. And, Remo, you were mentioning that um, Mason Appleton has just been announced on IR. What uh, what can you tell us? Yeah, I don't. I can't tell you more than that. Um, I thought Rick Bonus said that he was gonna play, so maybe this is just a paper move, or maybe he is out. But the Jets did tweet out uh, during that segment, like right when it started. Uh, Appleton on injured reserve, retroactive to October fifth. So we can wait and see as you know as we go on. I mean, I'm. But yeah, they're gonna have to make a move to send someone down to make room for Axel, and uh, I guess for now, Appleton on injured reserve, retroactive to October 5th. Nice. All right, listen, before we get to the cool bet lines, why don't we hear a little bit from Rick Bonus because uh, Rima's done a great job in getting some of the important clips from the weekend of the Winnipeg Jets head coach. Uh, we hear a little bit on uh, Harkins, Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, certainly on Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, but I guess the most pertinent question yesterday was... Who's this Axel guy that the Winnipeg Jets are getting from the Washington Capitals? Um, Remo, if you're ready, let's uh, play number one. Here is Winnipeg Jets head coach Bones talking about the newest member of the club uh, who came over on the waiver wire from the Washington Capitals. Oh, I thought I had it ready. Sorry. No worries. Well, Scotty can tell you a lot more because he coached him in Washington. Uh, the scouts and the uh, Arnie all say the same thing. He's got great speed. He's got good size. Uh, Arnie used him as a penalty killer in uh, in Washington. So that's about all I know about him. Arnie will give you a better, probably in more in-depth. All right, so uh, Rick Bonus, um, getting the information like the rest of us. Um, new player coming in. As I did mention, you know, just... You know, online yesterday, I mean, some of the analytics folks 
throwing up some charts on where the Jets were last year and where the Washington Capitals were, the one thing that stood out for Axel above everyone, like twice as good as anybody on either team, was his loose puck retrieval on dump-ins, which goes to the great forechecking ability uh, that Rick Bonus just mentioned. We'll talk more about Axel when he gets to town, presumably a little later on this week. Um, here's a little bit more from Rick Bonus. He did talk about Jansen Harkins, who, of course, was put on waivers, cleared waivers, and has now been sent to the Manitoba Moose. But in fairness to uh, Jansen, I talked to him last night. Um, I haven't had a good chance to talk to him one-on-one about his role, so I'm going to deflect that one. I'll delay that one. I want to talk to Jansen first before I talk to you guys about him. Glad that he cleared waivers, I guess, so that he or that he's within the organization. Well, you know, as a player, you want to get picked up uh, from an organizational point. Uh, we're happy to still have him. All right, so there's Rick Bonus, um, you know, on a, uh, you know, I'm sure, which was a tough cut for him. I mean, he knows that uh, he's been a part of this team for the last couple of years, and it's never easy. But he talked about the competition in camp, and unfortunately for Jansen Harkins, he was the odd man out for that final roster spot up at forward. And now there might be someone else out now that Axel, as we mentioned, has been claimed off of waivers. A um, lot of focus on Mark Shifley throughout the preseason. Look good with the back checking. We certainly know that he can score. That line looks deadly, as well as the first power play unit. Um, Rick Bonus talked a little bit about Mark Shifley and said his love for the game is back. Uh, I think it's back, and I sensed uh, excitement in his voice the first couple of times I talked to him. So, again, you know, young players, he's not that young anymore, but when you go through that, you miss the playoffs. Like, it's hard on you, and and it takes some time to get over it. It's not something that you just shake off. Oh, well, we missed the playoffs. We'll be back next year. It eats away at you, and clearly it did with Mark. But I think by the time that uh, I was announced as the coach and uh, you get a time to sit back and reflect a little bit, and but I, from the day one of my conversations with him, he's been nothing but impressive, nothing but all in. All right. Well, that is a great sign. Um, and certainly, I mean, I wouldn't expect to hear anything else. I mean, we'll see what happens when the puck drops in the regular season and the good and the bad times. But Mark Shifley, I mean, outside of Connor Hellebuck, for my money, is the most important player. An engaged, bought-in Mark Shifley, which all reports saying that he is could have a big, big bounce-back season and could be maybe the most important factor in a turnaround from what happened last year for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, a little bit more on the rest of the top line from Bones. Here is bonus on Kyle Connor. Uh, just great work habits. He's quiet. He just goes about his business. He's a real good pro. You watch him in practice, doesn't say too much, but he comes out and works his butt off, pays attention to the details of the drills. Um, he's just a real good pro. You know, you want your guys like him to lead by example, and that's what he's doing out there. And great speed. His release is as good as any in the league that I've seen, and just a real good person. All right, Kyle Connor impressing his new coach. And listen, I'm sure Rick was impressed enough watching him uh, put up the 47 that he scored last year for the Winnipeg Jets. The other member of that line is Nikolai Ehlers, who finally gets a starring role on the top line and the top power play. Here's Rick Bonus on the elevated role for Nikolai Ehlers heading into Friday night. 
He's a guy that's going to take responsibility uh, a lot for how the team plays and the success of the team. He's another guy that takes great pride in in his job and and being a Winnipeg Jet man. And I love I love that about him. So um, again, very highly skilled guy. Man, they find each other out there. Backhand postures, uh, passes. They're putting pucks into areas that the other guy is skating into. So they've got all three of them have great vision. Uh, he will be a very very important piece of our puzzle this year. All right, there is Rick Bonus, and as I mentioned before, we get to the cool bet lines. We do have the special set up: one hundred and six and a half total goals for Connor Shifley and Ehlers together is that number. All right, great stuff from Rick Bonus, Remo. Thanks for chopping those up so we could get some of the coach in here. Um, but let's get to uh, some news from the Winnipeg Jets. And I, and I knew I talked to a couple people in the organization last week that said early this week we'd have some information on a whole bunch of new stuff, certainly for season ticket holders and ticket holders. And uh, they've got a big release today on new concessions, exclusive content, premium jet skier shopping experience, and new ways to win, and a little bit more on what awaits Winnipeg Jet fans when they drop the puck on their season Friday night at Canada Life Centre. Yeah, they just put out this press release, and uh, I retweeted it as well. It's on the Jets' website. Trying to sell some tickets, Hustler. Uh, we know they didn't have a sellout last year, so they're really stepping up their game. We know we've already talked about the $6 domestic beer from the opening of the doors to the end of warm-up. they got new concessions, the expanded door, and some contesting. Um, they did announce some stuff here for the opening game, which is pretty interesting to me. Uh, we all like posting stuff on Instagram, Huss. You can get a selfie with the Lady Bing. Trophy, Kyle Connor one. That's kind of cool that that's there. I saw it. You're not at... gentlemanly enough to get a photo yeah. with the Lady Bing. His name is on it. We could get tweeted a picture of it on there. I mean, there's some legendary names, and I have Kyle Connor's name mm-hmm. among those. Pretty cool. But I'm going to scroll down on this list that they tweeted out. Um, you know, the new concession. Someone mentioned that there's a, what, a two foot monster double jet dog in for what? this year? Yeah, a double two foot. They call new concessions two foot monster double jet dog. Um, they got bison chili, <laughs> chicken skewers. Um, you know where they have the the tots, the taste new tasty tots. Okay, but this was the thing that you know we see a lot of teams upping their content game, and you have tweeted out a number of times. Um, the Jets on social media really stepping it up with behind the it's scenes night and videos. Day. It's night and day. And listen, I'm not, and this is not slagging anyone. And I don't, I'm not even sure whether it's a whole bunch of new people or it's the same folk. I I, I don't know. Mm. I just know from what we've seen, it's night and day before. And I think part of that is Rick bonus. I think part of it is an acknowledgement from the organization that they need to do more. Mm. And the best part about it is that it, it really seems like there's a buy-in from the team that certainly seem to be enjoying doing all of this and connecting with fans in a better way. So I fully say that. I joked last week, if the team can improve half as much as the Jets' social media, we're in for a, we're in for a fun and exciting season coming up. Yeah, and the big offseason acquisition for the Jets was off the ice, uh, acquiring Sarah Orleski uh, from t- from TSN. Uh, sorry, it's funny joking about these, uh, you know, getting Dan Robertson there as like offseason moves. However, uh, they're going to have their season preview show on their YouTube channel on Wednesday night. But this one I found interesting. 
Um, they're doing a behind-the-scenes documentary show called Runway, and it'll be on the game broadcast on Friday uh, with additional episodes rolling throughout the season. Personally, for me, like when it's a game, when it's a game broadcast, I want the intermissions to be dissecting what happened on the game. However, I do think this will be will be interesting, and and they're going to have the brand new post game show that Sarah is going to be doing as well. So um, I t- tweeted this out earlier today. The Oilers announced something called Oilers Plus, where you can pay them and get some additional content. But I noticed like a lot of that stuff teams are are doing for free. So um, you know, media analyst Adam Seaborn says you know every team is becoming their own media company now, basically trying to do, you know, for marketing and engagement purposes. And the Jets are really stepping it up. So, you know, joining the, joining us here on, on YouTube. So I'm, I'm curious how that's going to go. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. Here's what they have to say about the post game show. Uh, the in-depth team coverage will continue with the all new bud post game show hosted by Sarah Orleski live from the heart of Canada life center after every home game. Uh, watch live interviews with top player and personnel, game highlights, and expert analysis on the Jets site, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube channels immediately after the game. And as far as the runway goes, you just mentioned, I mean, the, the idea of this is the take, taking fans behind the scenes, uncovering life in and around the club. And the episode will premiere during the game broadcast on TSN on Friday, October 14th, with additional episodes rolling out through the season. And I would imagine, although it doesn't say right there, I would imagine Sarah will be very involved in all of those um, pieces as well. Yeah, so uh, these, uh, you know, I watched the the preseason game and they had the, what, the Pionk uh, boating one and the Schmidt with the cars. Um, and you, you do get a better insight on who these players are. And I think, uh, you know, makes you, you know, a fan of a guy for more than just on ice reason. So I hope they have more stuff. I enjoyed the golf. They said, you know, they had the one, the, just a little TikTok video or Instagram reel on the weekend. Who's the best golfer, the worst golfer consensus, best wheeler. Big save Dave, not Dave. the guy you want to get paired up with on the course. Yeah. Apparently. Big save, Dave. Not not the uh, the best golfer, apparently. So that was. Uh, I mean, they're stepping it up. If uh, you know, the on ice is going to be a lot of the same, you know, players. But off ice, it seems like they've got a brand new strategy as well. Well, uh, and just quickly back to what really matters to uh, to us: the food. Um, <laughs> new executive head chef Richard Duncan. Is yeah. the new guy? He's a Red Seal chef and honors That's graduate good. of Red River College Culinary Arts program. Has worked his up way through the culinary world at places like Mona Lisa, Fairmont Lake Louise, Hilton Suites, Winnipeg, in the chef de cuisine role for Oliver and Bonaccini in Toronto, and was the executive sous chef at the at the Fairmont. So, lots of great experience. Here's what we need to know about Friday night. You can look forward to exciting new menu offerings. You mentioned this two-foot monster double jet dog. Very intrigued yes. to see that. Chicken adobo skewers. I'm not sure. What is adobo? Do we, do we know what that is? I don't know. Chicken I don't adobo? Know what that is. I'll try it. It sounds good. Bison chili and jalapeno corn fritters. And how about this one? The new sweet feature, chocolate-dipped sea foam. Whatever that is, I'm in on it. And this is cool. All new Tasty Tots concession stands outside section 113 and 308, featuring a lineup of tater tot-inspired dishes like Reuben Tots. And hey, 
for Jets season ticket holders, mini pack holders, share partners. I had a lot of questions. I had my own about the season ticket holder discount. Jets and Moose season ticket members always receive concession discounts on fan favorite items, including pizza, popcorn, domestic beer, water, and fountain pop as part of their membership benefits. And I believe that is all being done through the new Jets app. Um, Head to Jets.com for more information. If you are a season ticket holder, I believe the information should be there in the season ticket holder side of things. And I, and I'll say this, I, I got that, um, that orange, um, the Wasack hoodie at the uh, preseason game. And I had to go into the Red Jets gear to do that. Uh, they've have done a very nice renovation of that. It's much, much bigger. Um, they said they expanded the store's footprint by nearly 50%. So um, they've got some new stuff there, some new exclusives as well. So uh, if you're at the game and uh, you're so inclined, check out what they've done for the pro shop. And I guess the other thing, Remo, is that Moxie's is no longer Moxie's. And if you haven't been to the game this year, especially if you're on the sides where everything gets so congested in between uh, at intermissions, you're going to want to get to the north side of the building because with with basically the wall being blown out, the bar is still there. The tables from Moxie is still available, and I'm sure there's going to be more work done. I believe the Renault's starting in February of 2023. Um, but in the meantime, far more room to meet up with friends, sit down if you want during the intermissions at what was Moxie's and is now essentially just an expanded area of Canada Life Centre. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest complaint for people attending games is there's not a lot of room. You walk around the concourse, and it's pretty packed in there. And we all done, you know, talking about distancing the last couple of years. And it's nice. You know, I was at the Eagles concert, sold out show. It was good to go to the Moxie, what used to be Moxie's. They got tables there. You can sit down. Other, you know, beer. A lot of people didn't know about it. I actually hit the bathroom in there too. And it was, that's a don't tip. Blow don't, up, don't, don't blow up the spot. I don't want to tell, I don't want to tell too many people, but there's a <laughs> hidden bathroom. There, I don't want to tell anyone. Well, so, smart. You just did it with 400 people watching live all, on our yeah, YouTube no one channel. Listens. All Jet fans that probably yeah. go to games all the time. Anyways, yeah. it's another option for you. It's a, a nice addition. But, of course, what is really going to be important is the main curse, main course served up by Bones and the Winnipeg Jets when the puck drops on Friday night against the New York Rangers. All right, let's quickly get to the Cool Bet lines for tonight. Of course, our friends at Cool Bet, by the way, Shout out to everyone that was riding with us uh, what an all-time weekend and Sunday in the lock shop. 4-0 in the best bets. Parlayed that. The lock shop partner parlay came through at plus 460. And then on top of it all, my guy Tom Kim won on the PGA Tour at 25-1. to Very, very lucky, I would say. Hopefully that continue he- can continue heading into the NHL regular season, which is underway in North America tonight. Rangers hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning. New York Rangers minus 119. Tampa plus 101. Essentially even money. And another pretty tight game. Good opening night matchups. West Coast late game. Vegas Golden Knights minus 103 at the Los Angeles Kings. Now, if you do go down to season bets, Remo, and click on specials, we've got that total there for the Ehlers, Shifley, and (laughs) Kyle Connor line. Uh, you ask, I deliver. There it is, over under 106 and a half goals. 
I don't know. It's just such a big number. I mean, so many things have to go right to get to that. I think probably the smart money's on the under. However, if you go to player goals alone, um, you maybe don't have to bet the entire line. My favorite bet, I think, is Cole Perfetti over 14 and a half goals for the season. I think in the situation and the position he's going to be in, um, the Jets need probably more than 15 from Cole Perfetti if he's going to be playing in the power play as well as on that second line. Um, Kyle Connor's number is quite large, uh, 43 and a half. Mark Shifley is 29 and a half. And where's our buddy Nikolai Ehlers here? Nikolai Ehlers. Am I missing Ehlers? I know he's no, right he's around thir- here. 33 and a half. 33. Oh, there we are. 33 and a half. So in some ways, basically they just added up those three numbers and put it together for a number for the entire line. Uh, but all those numbers are there at cool bet. And maybe most importantly, if we go and click on winner and then head down to qualify for the playoffs, the Winnipeg Jets are plus 160. So an underdog to make the playoffs, but right there on the bubble with the teams that are plus money. So a $100 bet on the Jets would pay you back 260 if the Jets make the playoffs. And I will say there was some of the uh, football winnings that were plunked on that this weekend. Will be uh, will be a fun bet to, to follow throughout the year and see whether the Jets can get back into the postseason and bring the whiteout back to Winnipeg. Use the promo code WST at coolbet.com if you've never played there before. To use WST on your first deposit. Get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. And uh, Dusty and I will be getting in the lock shop later today with the fantasy football extravaganza. We'll have some CFL and NFL picks tomorrow, or CFL and NHL picks tomorrow, and then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday all over the National Football League in the lock shop. Speaking of the NFL, Reem, um, I didn't think we could see a worse call than the roughing the passer that robbed the Atlanta Falcons of the opportunity to get the ball back against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down six late in the fourth quarter. And then last night happened with the Chris Jones roughing the passer call. Another bizarre one. He was the ball carrier. He already had the football, had no other way of falling down as he recovered the fumble. And yet that was overturned. And, um, it was bananas at Arrowhead. I mean, the fans always bring the noise, especially for a Monday night game against the Raiders. But that was as rabid a crowd after a bad call I can remember for a long, long time. And to be perfectly honest, I think that impacted the refereeing in the second half. You all know that I'm a Chiefs guy. I still can't believe that they called a defensive holding penalty on the Raiders on a missed field goal that turned out what would have been a turnover into an automatic first down. And of course, don't give Patrick Mahomes a second chance because he'll be putting it in the end zone. And then, of course, we had the very, very strange two-point convert attempt with four minutes left in the game, knowing Mahomes was getting the ball back either way, which ended up being the difference in a one-point game won by Kansas City. Yeah, roughing the passer, big topic of the weekend. You had the uh, Grady Jarrett sacking Tom Brady called roughing the passer, grabbing him by the waist and dragging him down. Um, I know you're trying to uh, protect the quarterback and BA saying, well, that's roughing the passer by the rule. I don't know. No, it's not. There, there's, 
There's how are you supposed to sack a quarterback if you can't tackle them? Like how are you supposed to stop gravity? Like you can't fall that's, on a quarterback. That's, for everyone Come out on, there that's BA. that's the rule guy, uh, all you needed to do was listen to the officials, Mike Pereira and whatnot, that were in the booth saying that both of those calls were absolutely atrocious. And listen, I get trying to protect the players, but it's still football, and neither of those were. Um, we're basically by the letter of the law. I mean, crushing the player. I mean, the Brady one was an absolute joke. To be honest, I thought Brady kicked at the guy afterwards. And when I saw the flag, I thought it was Brady that was getting a 15-yard penalty for um, um, for unsportsmanlike conduct. Obviously, that didn't happen. And Arthur Smith was just absolutely apoplectic on the sidelines. And I don't blame him. That was... Um, that uh, was really brutal for a team that had worked so hard to come back and deserve the opportunity to get the ball that they earned. Um, but I'll say this. I think there were a bunch of makeup calls last night in the second half. I feel fortunate that the Chiefs were able to win that game. Uh, but I do think that, you know, what's going to come out of this, Remo, is that they're going to expand the challenges um, because these calls absolutely are flipping games. I heard Chris Jones talk about it afterwards. Um, coaches need to have the opportunity for these massive game-tilting 15-yard penalties to challenge them if need be in the same way that you'd be determining whether the ball went over the line, give the officials, give the booth in New York, whoever, the opportunity to look back uh, at it because it's more important to get the call right and still do what they can to protect the quarterbacks. And, I mean, maybe some of this is an overreaction as well to what happened with Tua. I mean... The way everything happened with Tua in those back in those games Sunday and then Thursday, I think has really affected. I mean, the NFL sort of changing things on the fly. We saw Teddy Bridgewater get knocked out of the game early, went in to get concussion checks, showed no symptoms whatsoever, but was not allowed back in the game. I mean, if that happens a week before, it's that's not happening right now. So I think the NFL's got a lot on their hands right now with some of the things that are called as well as how things are being handled when it comes to concussion protocol, because as horrible as what happened to Tua was, the mistakes that happened there were far earlier, and um, I think that really cost the Miami Dolphins in that game against the Jets on the weekend. Yeah, and they say it seems like they're going to look at this roughing the pass. The worst ones are when like a, a defensive player is like reaching for a, to tip the ball and like taps the quarterback on the head, and they've called roughing the passer. On that, like, let's keep it to, like, you know, hits that, you know, hits to the head that are extremely impactful. They don't like the ones on the knees as well. I thought the ones from the weekend, the Grady Jarrett one was just a, like, how else, what else is he supposed to do? They said that he threw Brady to the ground. Like, how are you supposed to sack him? Grab him by the waist and tackle him. Like, what are you supposed to do? What is Chris Jones supposed to do? They said you can't fall. On a quarterback, like they make it so hard for these defensive he had players the to ball. do anything. He had the ball and he braced himself with the with the left. I mean, listen, the the, the refs in the booth said the same thing. Um, and as I said, I do think it will get to a point where those calls will be able to be challenged, and I think that would be great. Um, the uh, <laughs> Todd for Tanny, my guy Todd, a big Raiders fan. I can't relive this. Us, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Hey, listen, I thought the Raiders played their asses off. Uh, but why Josh McDaniels decided to go for two at that point made absolutely no sense. You get that kick, you're tied. Mahomes is getting the ball back either way. If you if they if you're able to stop them, it's a tie. If 
you don't, you lose. And uh, as I said, the other thing about this is they've got Daniel Carlson, who's awesome, and the Chiefs are rolling out some guy they grabbed off the street, their second UDFA kicker, while Harrison Butker's been out. I'm sure Josh McDaniels would do that differently if he had it. And hey, listen, a big, big congratulations. Bart Ullman mentioned this in chat a few minutes ago. But the 1v1 Football Academy of Winnipeg, under 15 girls, went out to PEI on the weekend and won the national championship for club soccer under 15. Uh, I believe from folks in the soccer community that hit me up, I believe this is the first time that anything like this has happened before for Manitoba. So uh, congratulations to the girls of the 1v1 representing Manitoba and winning the national championship. Um, just another cool story coming out of a wild sports weekend, Reem. Yeah, that's a, that is pretty cool. I'm enjoying the comment from Gucci Maine. They'll get to the point where you bear hug a QB and that's a sack. Isn't that what the bomber uh, defensive lineman did to Taylor Cornelius where he kind of grabbed him and, Stop! Stop playing! Isn't yeah. isn't that what happened on on Saturday? <laughs> oh, pretty much, pretty much, man. You know, we had so much Jets talk. I mean, I'm glad we got to the Bombers with Hammer. Uh, but man, what a absolute ass kicking of the Edmonton Elks uh, by the best team in the league. And now it's one win, and off to the Great Cup. We got to wait till November 30th, though. But I know the Bombers are uh, putting tickets on sale for that, and. Uh, Anyone as cold as it was last year for the West final, I think anyone that was part of that crowd, that atmosphere that day, will be making a point of getting back there. Maybe it'll be a little bit warmer, but to be honest with you, the cold of that game kind of made the event really what it was. Um, awesome show. Went a little long today, but you know, with everything coming out of the weekend, we knew that that would likely be the case, but we do have to get the podcast up for folks that are listening on the audio feed. Uh, again, folks, if you just popped in, if you're new around here, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. We are here daily, 1 p.m. Central, live on YouTube, and we'll usually have our content out for you just in time for your ride home around 3.30 p.m. A big thanks to all the sponsors and the great guests we've had. Always fun to cook up with our guy, Andy McNeil. And, of course, the Winnipeg Free Press's Jeff Hamilton and Mike McIntyre. Mike, of course, in Banff, covering all the latest goings-on with the Winnipeg Jets. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Murata Tesh is going to join us. Really looking forward from Murata's perspective on the moves that happened, the players that are still here, and a look ahead to Friday night's opening night lineup. We'll have more on the Winnipeg Jets as well as the CFL, NFL, and Probably some more follow-up on what happened today with Hockey Canada. Um, great job to Michael Remus. Thanks to everyone that joined us. Tell a friend about WST. And again, thank you to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Support them when you have the opportunity. Gang, have a great night. Enjoy a couple of real live NHL games tonight. Baseball playoffs as well. And we'll be back at it tomorrow, 1 o'clock right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great one. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.